You are now listening to Well, Well, Filling Out. Oh my, oh my God, did she just murder him? <laughs> oh no, his pussiness. Misandry. <laughs> yes, misandry. Oh, poor man. Ladies, serial killers are the best. Well, she's never going to get that stain out. Nothing says it's over like running over your ass. It had to be a woman. It had to have been a woman. Are you wearing it? Wait, how big were her breasts? <laughs> Hello, fellow clowns. Hello. How are you doing? I'm keeping my promise of what I said I would do for my dead muses and this sad trumpet. Wow. (laughs) It is my theme song for episode two because my muses are officially dead. They're dead. They're buried. They're beyond six feet under, Terrence, and I'm still not sure how I plan to recover from this episode, or if I can recover from this episode. That is fair. That's that. That's fair. But I, 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 I say to you, uh, <laughs> what some... is to say? What can you say? Uh, that that in the in mm-hmm. the shadow right. there's also light. What light? You know what's in the shadow? I'll tell you what's in the shadow. Do you hear this foley? This foley underneath the funeral trumpet. Do you hear it? What does it sound like to you? Those oh, it's grave diggers. Yes. Oh. Yes. In the snack, in the snack, I said that I had a, what was it, a mass grave, a whole cemetery of dead muses. So this is me. This track wow. is me just working through the reality of my life as a Killing Eve fan, as a Killing Eve watcher, watching all of my muses fucking die. Okay. Thank you. That's not a fun place to be in. It's a place. It is. A, it's it's a, it's a place, place to be in. So with uh, episode two airing and us experiencing it, coming out of the other side of it, the series is 25%. Oh, right. You did say that because it's two of the eight. Sure. 25 yes. cents. 25 cents. 25% complete. It's and true. I am 0 for 8 for my Villeneuve kisses. So those were delirious, euphoric requests. I know that neither of us actually thought we would get four to seven or four to ten. Your presumption was four to seven. I went bigger. I said four to ten. So you're still within the range because your low was four. So I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You're just trying to fit in with me and my degradation, my sadness, my failures. But you can't. You can't. You're still in that place where you laughed, you know, where Fro Jafari was <sighs> with Eve and you found a chuckle. You found a reason to chuckle and I have had scorn. Ever since I watched you laugh at that scene because I don't know how any laughter escaped your lips. I don't. You said it was a nervous breakdown and I don't know, y'all. You can write in and tell me, do you believe Terrence was having a nervous breakdown? And that is why he was laughing at Foe Jafari. You guys can try to help save him from my wrath about those chuckles because I won't forget it, y'all. I won't forget it any time. Well, I mean, I guess that's the thing about psychotic breaks. And for those who aren't aware, please, if you want to seek out the live, (laughs) seek out the first watch. Fast forward to that scene with Eve and Foe Jafari at the dinner table and you'll hear a laugh. It's like a Constantin laugh. It's a (laughs) ha ha. It's way too hearty. It makes absolutely no sense to me. And it was from Terrence, y'all. It was from Terrence. So I'm still grappling with that reality along with my dead muses. My dead muses! Along with Eve Palastri on her bullshit, her head shenanigans. This is a dark, dark place, y'all. And it looks like it will remain dark for at least another week because some of you listeners have given me a clue as to how I might feel about episode three for those of you who have watched it. And the forecast. The forecast is looking horrible, all right? It's looking like one of those storms that ends the world. Oh, oh, oh. It's looking like a meteor is crashing into Earth. Every disaster film I can think of, that's what it's looking like. Yep. 
Yep. Well, it's hard for us to speak from a place of the unknown, but I guess what we can do is try to speak from a place that we do know. Which the is unknown, like, what it is known is what I will apparently well, react uh, to the third episode like, no, so that yeah, is lies. I know. I you was, are full I of was, lies. I was night. afraid of those those comments that were like, oh, I can't wait for them. So it is not unknown. It is known that episode three will upset Candace. Many of you, especially those of you in the live, you've been listening to the podcast the entire time. So at this point, I feel like you know me pretty well in terms of how I might react to certain Killing Eve content. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you all the benefit of the doubt that you know what the fuck you're talking about and that I will not holistically enjoy episode three because there will still be het shenanigans. Oh, and might I add another Villanelle rejection? So just got to keep it 100. I'm not going to do that, Muse, but I should write it down because I know that that's going to come back to haunt. I know it is. I know it is. Well, none of us know what it is, so maybe to haunt you, perhaps. And haunt me it shall, but before I dwell and and pull everybody down with me, let's take the facts as we know them and go over the episode from the beginning. The episode titled, Don't Get Eaten. Yeah, this episode was titled, Don't Get Eaten, and was written by The Louder Neil, directed by Stella. Stella! Not you trying to take over my Stella. I know, right? I don't think I did that. You can't. Good. Not in this episode <laughs> that you laughed at full. It's punishment. It's penance. I will think on your penance. And you know what? I can't even... Whatever. Somebody who's listening to this will know where that line came from. I think on your penance. It's new sapphic material. <laughs> get in a bitch DM. <laughs> if you know what it is, maybe there'll be a prize. Anyway, yeah, let's get into how this episode starts. The first scene is in London. That's what the title card said. It greets us. And it opens with some woman carrying ice cream. Yeah. And she's coats. entering a street performance scene of some medieval violence. And I'm like, is this what y'all Europeans do? Let's reenact the days of y'all when we were beheading people. I'm not sure what else was happening there, but historical medieval violence on display in the courtyard. And that is happening. And we see a little child, which looks to be Ellen's daughter. She's like, oh my God, is that hurt? And Ellen says a line that definitely will come back up. And I suppose mm-hmm. we're supposed to believe that Eve heard this which whatever killing eve science and Ellen responds to the child only if you let it you know which is partially true so we hear that foreshadowing line the lady gives the ice creams to Ellen, her daughter one for herself and they go somewhere and the camera shows us a one eve palastri mm-hmm. in a blonde wig yes. a trench coat and probably the flyest boots she's ever worn in the series just because they're a level up from the kind of footwear that we usually see for eve palastri in then we hear a message i believe this is the phone it should be the phone where they're basically like you hear a voice say do you have the bug she's like yeah from faux jafari and he specifically asks, do you have the tracker? Eve says yes. And then he adds, don't lose her because they're working together. They're partners. Maybe he's watching. Maybe he's observing. I don't know. But it certainly seems like he is on the premises in some way. That's when we get the wide shot of Eve in her trench and her boots. And so I'm like, did Eve prepare? Knowing where the lady in red likes to fraternize? Did she know that whatever space she was going to be stepping into, if she had to follow her inside, was going to be expensive? Like, is this a callback to the kind of shit Villanelle said? I'm not sure. But she was certainly prepared to go into a place that was fancy. Oh, she was. She definitely was. Because we get a cut and... A mini time jump. Yeah, mini time jump. This cut, it's the small, not even a full second clip that we got from the trailer. She's in the dress. She's looking in a mirror. And she's watching the lady in red with her lady, some lady, a date, a Tinder date, 
we don't know. And, you know, Helene is a spy. And I suppose she didn't notice the woman staring at her sapphic shenanigans. And I wondered at the time if Eve allegedly was supposed to be able to hear their conversation like she has motherfucking superpowers. And I imagine that's that's what happened because Eve seems to use the conversation that Helene has with this fucking woman later on in the episode when she runs up on her in her house. And Helene is saying to the blonde, I never had a woman in my life who really challenged me or challenges me. And I'm like, it definitely wasn't real. I know oh, Rianne yeah, wasn't challenging yeah. anybody. Not in bed, not at mm -hmm. work, not nothing. But she adds to this blonde, but maybe you'll be different. And I think Alain is on her, her fuck girl shit. I think she's saying bullshit. She's saying whatever. I to get into that, that lady's underpants <laughs> on the terrace or someplace else. But I don't know that I believe her. But maybe that woman's an assassin. Maybe she's in the know. Maybe she's in the life, as they say. But I, I don't know. But that is what Alain says. So Eve gets a, this time not a call. This time it's a text. And it it would only make sense that a text like this would come if some she was being watched by her partner or teammate, unless they were reading into however they wanted to make us consume the scene. It, the text basically said You've not to dilly. Foe sends a text that yes. says don't dilly dally. Right. I don't know why you used all those words. Foe is clearly on site. Foe is giving her advice. She is taking said advice. He says, hurry up, bitch. And she goes to hurry up and follow Alain. I thought they were going to a bathroom to do a queers do, but those were just lots of tiles. A lot of tiles. There was no bathroom. It looks like they were waiting for the elevator because it was not a bathroom. Because I'm like, why are all these people coming in if <laughs> it's a bathroom? It's not a bathroom. It's a restaurant that likes tile. Between the tiles and the, what, mirror on the ceiling? There seem to be mirrors in a lot of places. Maybe that's why they chose the location. But she turns the corner to find Sapphic going zone between Hélène and the blonde woman with streaks. And she's like, oh, wait, let me try to hide and look in the mirror and see what's going on. Okay, there's an elevator coming. All these people are coming out. Let me use this as an opportunity to slip the tampon bug into her bag and mosey on. And as a side note, I'm like, foe. This <laughs> had to be your idea because I don't know what woman doesn't know what kind of tampons that she has. Part... Most women are aware of what hygiene products are their favorites and what they use. And if something appears just out of the blue in your purse, especially for a working woman like Ellen, it will raise flags. But Killing Eve science, it is what it is. I don't know why it was a tampon versus something else, but that's what it was. A ladybug for a bug lady. Yeah, it was It was just weird. Read like this was some man's idea. <laughs> Whether it's a man's idea or not, I would have to think that a man who was an actual spy would know that there's too high risk of being discovered, especially if you don't want to be discovered. You would have to do recon to be like, does this person use tampons? Here is a tampon box in the trash. This is the time they use. Tampax, whatever the fuck. This is the specific thing. And we are going to time this with her cycle because you can find that out pretty easily by checking someone's trash. None of that intel was obtained, whether they had the patience or the skills or the concern or killing you science. I don't know. I'm just saying tactically, holistically, it's foolish. Like, how are you going to try to slip something into someone's thing without knowing what those things are? Very reckless, in my opinion. So Killing Eve trying to say at the same time that Foe is competent in these things and Eve has new skills while they display the worst skills. The worst skills I've seen. For a spy, it just, it doesn't matter. And so I'm like, is this a comedy? Is it sardonic? Is it ironic? Am I missing the satire? Because you're giving Eve new skills, but they're also ridiculously horrible. Skills that in another universe, in another world, in which they're real spies, you certainly can't get away with it. So I just felt like it was incredibly absurd to put a tampon in a bitch purse without knowing if she is actually in that time of the month to justify. I mean, it's true that some people keep random tampons, but in that smaller purse, it's just, it's, there's a lot happening. There's a lot you're letting go into the air to be like, I think this will work. I don't think this will stand out in any way. 
And so it was a failure on Foe's part, on Eve's part, even though it ultimately works out for her in the end. It's bad. Bad news bears. I was about to say, well, that's upsetting. But I mean, ultimately, that's the end of that scene because, you know, they disappear into the elevator together as the couple's still kissing and Eve gets way out of I don't after know. His... I'm like, who did Eve's hair? Like, y'all just invented shit. Right. A bitch throws food on the floor, doesn't clean up, but she has a braid. And where did she go to do that braid? Did Foe braid her hair? Lauda, if you actually want to fist fight me, because if you tell me that that's the case, we're going to have to fight. Like, it's I'm going to have to fight for the honor of my ladies, of myself, because I didn't ask for this. And it's the way that we still don't know how time works, because is this the same day? Was the braid under the wig? Like, like what? What are we to believe? Like, that's what's why I said happening? time jump. We don't yeah. know, and they don't care to explain it or tell us, so it is what it is. They wanted an excuse to put Eve in a thing and then not explain it. But Yes, in the next scene after Eve and her mysterious braid and her boots mm. and her earrings. She doesn't really wear earrings like that, but she had them in the budget once again. And I'm like, where do you even store this stuff in your hotel, Eve? You know what? <sighs> it's the way there's not a jewelry box. <laughs> there's nothing in there's where she nothing. has stuff. All right. Yeah. But in the next scene, we see Villanelle arriving at the camp. Retreat, Christian trip, whatever the fuck. Hemel Hempstead. Yes. Uh, That's boring. Right. The first shot of Hemel Hempstead, it looks like there's the smoke coming out of the front of the bus. It looks like they, I don't know, prematurely stopped, had to get some sort of service going on. Barbara's bored. She wants to know how much longer it's going to take. And then they try to do this game on the bus where they're doing this. Well, they're doing the game. When we come there, they're actually playing like Bible Jeopardy, a type of quiz situation about what happened in the Bible. What did so-and-so do? What was this miracle? And it doesn't look like anyone's really participating. They don't look super (laughs) enthusiastic about it. And then we see Villanelle trying to get May's attention, who's still looking a bit traumatized, being moody, not trying to look at Nell because she was drowned. However many days ago, we don't don't know because time jumps are everywhere but yeah. Villanelle is too adorable as she interrupts the vicar's speech to try to talk to May and she tries to talk to her with Christianity. She's like, mm. I have a scripture because you're not looking very Christian-like. You don't look like you're <laughs> forgiving me the way that they say you guys are supposed to forgive. And she says, there shall be more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents than over 99 righteous persons that need no repentance. Luke chapter 15, she's looking directly at mm. May and May is like, Ugh. Not you trying to use virtuousness to get me back into the bosom (laughs) of the sapphic vapors. And the vicar's like, what's going on between the two of y'all? I feel Mm. like the waves and the vibes are definitely different, but I don't know why. No, yeah. There was also this weird butterfly. Was it there? Was it not there? That the also... butterfly was there. You said that when we were watching. I'm like, but what makes you think it's not there? No Just one else because they're seeing a Villanelle Cristo. Why does someone else need to react to a butterfly? No, that's true. Like Villanelle Cristo, like that is something that is confirmed to not be there for everyone to see. But I don't know that the butterfly is that thing. It's probably there for some sort of visual symbolism. Or just happenstance. Who can tell with Lauda? Lauda feels like a very chaotic writer. Like, just so far? Lots of chaos. After the vicar wrestles the mic back from Villanelle, he tells everyone to pass their quiz sheets up. I'm pretty sure not <laughs> everyone even did the quiz. Uh, then we get the shot of them disembarking and getting their luggage. And it is mentioned to everyone that they have pre-assigned tents. And that is to clear up and alleviate any kind of confusion that would have taken place years prior. And then... That's you adding fan fiction? No one said anything about years prior. And certainly with Barbara's energy, it literally could have been last week so i reject that muse okay i think it's relevant i think that these corny people take these trips all the time and maybe this is villanelle's fifth at this point i don't know 
But he was definitely directing that to Barbara specifically. And I don't I still don't know how I feel about it. I don't know how I feel about but it. But that's either. something that is implied that Barbara wants the Vicar's D and it is disturbing. The whole cloister. Throw it in the trash. <sighs> throw it out. Throw it in the trash. The Villanelle approaches her tent and it's just it's just Nell. Nell's the only name on the tent. And she looks and she notices that uh May's tent is with the vicar. So it's... she's not the only one with a solo tent. I looked at the signs. There are a number of the initial ones that have doubles, but then there are other ones that aren't Villanelle that have a solo name. What I thought was more interesting was that Villanelle appeared to be the one with the most distinct tent. And so I don't know if that is indicative of her going camping before and deciding she wanted this tent. Who's to say? But everyone else basically had what I would call an older style triangle point at the front tent, which it serves a purpose, but it's certainly not luxury. It's like the first thing I had my first time I went to Burning Man, where you're like, oh, is that my tent flying over there? Or it's just mm. not enough space. You try to bring a person to your tent and you're like, okay. ah, it's collapsing in on us. Right. And so the next time I went, especially because it was bringing a lady, you're like, we got to make sure everything is set up. And so they look closer to Villanelle's where you can have rooms, you can have separations. And it looked furnished. And so I'm just like, who set up the tent? Who furnished it? Is that a stuffed animal in Villanelle's <laughs> tent? What is going on? She had a frying pan in there. And so what are we, like I just, how often do y'all camp? Because it just seems like there was too much set up and going on for a single trip. Like that's the kind of stuff you have when you've done it multiple times. No, right. So I don't know if it means anything that Villanelle had a special tent and if she wanted that special tent or if they want to make her feel different by giving her the one different tent. But that was something I noted because I just was like, that's weird. She has the biggest one. It was the biggest no, she, tent it and was. she was by herself. Was it for Villanelle Cristo? They knew she was going to need some space. I was going to say, I was wondering if trips prior that was a tent that was shared with May and then now all of a sudden now May's not in that tent with now. Oh, I don't know. And something about the trip seemed like it was supposed to be some sort of bonding exercises going on. And so for you to have a solo tent is like, well, who are you meant to bond with? It's like, oh, I guess you need to feel like an outsider then or whatever. So it was just weird vibes. But we do see Villanelle observing the vicar asking his daughter what her beef is with Villanelle. And she just basically tells him to leave it alone as they're walking off to go set up the fucking tents at the campsite. Villanelle also exchanges a look with the vicar who seems to kind of smile at her all fake and shit. And she just kind of looks like her. Like, this is just the Villanelle face. This is a face of, of misandry and scrutiny. Watch out, Vicar! <laughs> I knew he was not long for this world. Is this the part where we get Villanelle in Nell's tent, but seeing... Oh, Jesus Cristo? Yeah. Yeah, she gets in the tent and Christ is waiting for her <laughs> and also confirms that the Vicar is suspecting some shit has gone down between her and his daughter and he doesn't know what it is, but he wants to know. Villanelle, on the other hand, is excited to see her Christ self. She is smiling and is like, bitch, what you doing here? <laughs> bitch, I thought the last time I saw you was at the crib. And she was like, girl, what? I told you I was here to guide you. I'm here to be your guru. <sighs> your Dr. Phil for some mm. reason. And she wants her about eating the camp food, which is, I mean, it's cute. I like that her spiritual Jesus is eating all the time. I like it. Yeah, the sense that they make together isn't any, but it's ridiculous because she asks Villanelle if she wants to know why she looks like her. And she's like, Cristo is essentially like everyone experiences Christ differently. It could be an angel, it could be a voice in the clouds, it could be a burning bush. But for you, it's Cristo and drag. Make sense? And Villanelle's like, hell yeah, makes sense. Say nothing more. Mm. Say less, in fact. 
it all masks for Villanelle. So that was cute. I assume this is the camp people were talking about. Like, this is absolutely the camp. And Jody's doing a great job with this campy shit. Not that it really makes all that much sense to me, but I am enjoying watching the interactions. I believe she gets some encouragement in the form of advice saying that uh, she would to win back the trust of May, that the vicar would come around for her. Yeah, she basically says that May is the key to getting it all back together, that they can't stand in the way of her transformation. If she can get May back in the, the staff of vapors, then she has a chance. And she sends Villanelle on her way with a holy booty slap. It was a sanctified <laughs> booty slap. Sanctified slap of inspiration and motivation. Oh, yes. And Villanelle bounces on her way to try and get May back on her side. And literally the next scene is absurd because Villanelle is arriving to May's tent, which is also her daddy tent, with a stick. And she is talking about how a dove returned to Noah with a freshly plucked olive branch. Olive branch. And she's like, imagine, just yeah, imagine. Yeah. Close your eyes. You have to use the imagination. Like, like, like they didn't hook. It's an olive branch. And it was just a stick. But this is actually an olive branch. And it's too cute, though, because she is trying to get May back and May was like I have a patch she wanted no part of it she's like well I can help you and I was like wow wow she's trying and once she gets in there to try to help May she's like look I know you are shooketh for me because it's true that I tried to fucking drown you you know but I'm trying to be a good person I'm trying to reform surely you see that I like that she was like yeah I was bad but I'm not anymore and the fact that you are alive is proof she is improving. You can't say a bitch changed when she literally tried to drown somebody. She is getting better, which is what she says. Like, I have these urges, and I have this urge because you said too much. But then I brought you back with one hit. I rejuvenated you. I did the CPR. So therefore, I'm clearly getting better because I didn't just leave you there to die. And Villanelle says something to the effect of, when one person says you're evil, everyone believes it, then you start to believe it yourself. And so that's interesting because I don't know what Lauda is trying to do there. Connect it all back to Suzanne because my impression of Villanelle series one is that she didn't give a damn what people thought in general, but maybe people in particular. But now they're making it seem as though Villanelle cares what everybody thinks, including these random people at the cloister. She cares whether or not people think she's good, whether or not they think she's evil, whether or not they classify her as such. And I'm just not sure where this moral quandary overall has come from for Villanelle outside of the shit with her mother. But now she cares what everybody thinks since when? Since when has Villanelle given a shit? Questions are the answers. Well, she gives May something to chew on with that. She gives May something to chew on. May's face at the end of that scene is just like, uh. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. I guess. So after the scene with May, we get Eve, who is in the hotel suite that doesn't exist. Uh, and oh, but it does is... exist. <laughs> in Eve Palastri's world. And Lord. she's looking through a bunch of different uh, images of The St. Mark's or St. Yes, John's, whatever the name this, of that church is. Right, of this church looking at the, the cloister business. and Looking then, at oh, Villanelle's cloister at, business. Right. She don't give a damn about Barbara. Right. Looking at Villanelle's. Other random dude place to business and all of a sudden you hear the key card activate the lock of the door so you know people with access that's because two people live there mm. two people live at the hotel clearly and he shows up and he hopefully was joking about taking you to Paris well he just comes and says baby we're going to Paris Eve only does stuff related to getting to 12 or denying herself the O from Villanelle. Apparently, that's her new life, her new jaw. And so if it wasn't connected to one of those two things, I'm either rejecting Villanelle or I'm searching for the 12, then she's not about it. She doesn't have time to waste. Right. And since all she heard was Paris and not 12, she began to rip the tickets like the way she was ripping those invites to the Kristen event. Eve does make a comment about saying, oh, I told you in the beginning, no gifts, no trips, etc." Yeah, no, oh, right. No overnight stays, no yeah, gifts and no trips. Please. She didn't mean it because he right, certainly has stayed it. over the night. 
night. No, right. And he then explains that that info is from the, what is that? The tracker information he shows. He says he was joking. Yeah. He says he was joking and that there's information from the tracker apparently gotten from where? Who knows? The place they work for? I guess. The building we'll never see? Probably. <laughs> to print out some papers because we couldn't just write down or send a text about where this was. Okay. We can we can waste trees for GPS shots. Why not? Yeah, I don't know. Faux Jafari is the worst thing Lauda and her whole team has done with Killing Eve. He is nothing but a singular plot device. He is uninteresting. He is flat. He is boring. He's cookie cutter. He's everything that is like the blandest man that I could ever watch on television. He's so bland that he pisses me off, not because he's interesting and horrible, but because he's bland, because he's boring, and he's there to deliver lines. Deliver lines and to be the connective tissue for Eve Pilastri. That was once Kenny. That was once Bear. That was once Jamie. That was once Jess. Someone who can say, oh, I got this for you, and I did this to facilitate because we have to pretend like, even though there's Killing Eve signs, that there's other people that do work here. And no, so that's right. where I'm at with Jafari. I am disappointed beyond words because outside of the inflammatory hep shenanigans, he is purposeless. You literally could replace him with anybody and it changes nothing. Give the same lines to some other character and it makes as much sense as Eve the Foe. And this episode just adds another nail into the coffin of bullshit that is Faux Jafari and why on earth Lauda and the writing team thought that he was necessary. Maybe it will show itself, y'all, but I'm not feeling optimistic at all. You know what? And it's hard to it's hard to argue that because, yeah, like you said earlier in the live, give his lines to even like literally anyone else. Every time he's on screen, it is to serve some informational purpose. Oh, I got you this. Oh, my friend. And it's related to the 12. And I don't know why you guys couldn't find a way to do that. If you wanted to have Eve hunting for the 12 and either involve Carolyn, involve a minion of Carolyn that we met. We as the audience are expected to math the time jump and from him to go from super uselessness to now being so what like reliant every time we've seen him he's given eve something that she apparently needs oh i found this over here oh here's a letter from work oh here's some fucking food so he is there to give eve as a character thing she needs but he holistically is useless because i don't get him i don't understand him there's no motivations yet he has all these lines and all these inside jokes with eve that don't make any sense so I was over foe from episode one, but I'm really over foe after this episode. And yeah, he finally does break down why Paris is the destination. They start to talk strategy about different ways that they can engage the situation. Eve says, or I could just go through the front door. He seems to have an issue with that and wants to offer his expertise because he has some about engaging highly dangerous targets. Sure, you know, Eve's not really having all that he is trying to give. And she pretty much tells him that she's going to go get a second opinion. But of course, not before he compares her or people with those thought processes like her to someone who adopts an exotic animal that then goes wild on its owner. I didn't need that comparison personally from Foe. He essentially says he's trying to inject some know-how into her revenge plan. That's the exact phrase. So it's mansplaining. But how upset can I get at mansplaining when Eve has invited it? And she went from one man to explain things to her about a misandrist to mm. another man. So it is what it is. Mm. And whether he has know-how or not, obviously he's not shooketh by the 12 because he spends all day every day with Eve Pilastri. If anyone knows what she's doing, they know he's there. So, But again, nothing makes sense in this show anymore. So it is what it is. There's nothing to fear, nothing to fear about the 12. There's nothing to fear about people knowing who you are. It's all bullshit in series four. So because Eve has not had enough of men's opinions, she decides to go track down Martin for her second opinion. And before she leaves the hotel, she feeds those fucking fish. And I don't know what the fuck was that for. She yeah, smiles. Why, yeah, why do you care why about give fish? Us, right, why give us this? 
selfish scene. No, it might come. It might explain itself later. I'm just, it's something to note that Eve doesn't smile often in this fucking show. And she smiled and stopped to feed the fish. And it's like the hotel doesn't have employees to feed the fish. Are we over feeding the fish, Eve? Do we care? So many questions, no answers for that. And then we're back to the camp. All right, this camp scene, everyone's inveigled in this, uh, I was going to say maybe a trust related I said game. trust exercise. Okay, I'm happy me. you did. But some people are being spun around. I don't know that aspect of the game. I see other people in the background like leaning back and getting caught by people and like that that game I know but I didn't know it was also with the blindfold like so I don't know if it's a mashup of more than one kind of trust game who knows Villanelle is paired with Barbara for reasons she is spinning Barbara and May comes and says come with me and of course Villanelle's like won't your father be angry and then she's like she says some quick line to just sort of lure Villanelle away and Barbara is spinning by herself going, hey, what's going on? Vicar comes and takes over to be Barbara's partner as he watches his daughter go off into the clearing with Nell and... Yes, the vicar watches them run off suspiciously after May wants to take some time. Maybe she heard a whisper hmm. from European Jesus and she wants to be a decent person again. And they go to the woods. In which Nell is curious about murder and it's like... <laughs> Villanelle. There's other reasons to go to the woods besides hiding bodies, but that was her first thought. It was. But May said, no, we're not here about killing you. We're here to save you. Save you. you. Well, she... <laughs> I told you, I, I was like, oh, she's remixing the uh, aspirational uh, erotica because she made sure to put both hands on Nell's chest. It was like, she yeah. said there's something all coiled up inside of you. Yes. And then she put both hands near the boobage. Yes. And that something is stopping her from being who she wants to be. And so she got to find a way to uncoil. And she's mm. like, wow, I am in proximity to thine boobs. And here's how you do it. And then she just fucking starts spinning and screaming yeah. in the forest. And it's an interesting predicament to be in. They must have been farther enough away from everyone else so that they weren't concerned with this type of screaming that was going on. Because that was that almost seemed like a help me, I'm being <laughs> I'm being mauled kind of a scream. But you know That's why people die in woods. Help who's sending help at the no. camp retreat. Yeah. And maybe she did it with her dad. It doesn't look like May has any friends. So I don't know where she would have figured that out from if it wasn't from her father. She has no other friends but her dad and Barbara because she's run into Barbara in the morning. And it's been weird. And then everyone has to go to church the next day and act like it didn't happen. Asme is spinning around and screaming. Uh, Jesus Villanelle yep. shows up she's and like, says, congratulations. You did it. Like, you got her to like you again. And she's asking her how she feels about it. She's like, yeah, she does feel good. And but then asks, that's not, Villanelle doesn't look like it. No, right. That right. is something we have to know. Because that's why Cristo is like, don't you like it? Like, aren't you pleased? Aren't you happy? And she's like, yeah, uh-huh. But her face does not look like it. Her face betrays her real feelings. And oh, yeah. then she asks herself if she wants to spin. And then she's like, oh, no, I'm just professionally. I can't. Of course I want to spin. And they go, they held hand your in hands. You mused and predicted, and you were correct, that Villanelle would be spinning with herself in the clearing, which is what she does. It is both absurd and wholesome, somehow, because the person who likes Villanelle most at that place is definitely Villanelle Cristo. So in that yeah. sense, I'm glad she's with someone who likes her, no, because right. it is hard out here if you're a Villanelle or an L. Oh, in these but, two episodes. But this also reads into your connection to Loki, even though we technically... Save it for the muses. Okay, I'm not going to be I talking about Loki over here. All right. Especially when none of the single listeners... No, you're right. ...had any of my I, Loki I really lists. looked. I was like, that one nobody, comment? Nobody watched it. <laughs> I was like, that one? Nobody oh. knows yeah, you're what's right. going on with Loki, so I can save that for a muse. And then, of course, we get the, the trailer shot of Nell on the ground. The camera's still sort of doing the spin from when they were spinning 
and she's there with the cross on and she's just i guess absorbing the vibes of just being with someone that she cares about so even if that's herself yeah i don't i don't know if i'm fully ready to interpret it yet she's thinking and going through something but i don't know if good vibes is what it was she was feeling something what she was feeling i'm not entirely sure just yet and maybe i will never ever know with how this show is going but yeah tbd after the shot of Nell on the ground we, we go hard to Eve, cut to Eve. Who's waiting outside for Martin outside With of his booze. job. Uh, there's a booze afoot. And Martin was very excited to see the booze. I, I, I will say excited to see Eve, but excited to see the booze. That's OD. I don't know if Martin would be unexcited to see Eve. I'm sure no, Eve no, intrigues right. him. Eve has a folder, like I said. Oh, yeah. But Eve does have a bottle of booze. Not sure what kind of booze. He chugs that booze. And I feel like you shaded Martin when you chug liquor like Martin. It's, I, I don't... <sighs> Pot to kettle. Anyways, <laughs> he like, takes the booze and says that he minutes. cannot take yeah. booze into a secure unit and that he has only a few minutes before he has to go back and deal with a cannibal. And I'm like, oh, five minutes before the cannibal. I guess that's what's happening that day in London at your workplace. You're interviewing cannibals. And so Eve wants to know how he gets what he wants out of them. Them. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like a way you should talk about people. But presumably she means killers. And he's like, my patients? Like, <laughs> people? My patients? Um, is that what you mean? And she's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, the real fucked up people, though, not the one-hit wonders. And I'm like, Eve! Um, the way she so said even that, if you eat somebody and it's one time, you're a one-hit wonder? Okay, I guess. He was like, well, you know, my mission is to help my patients. And Eve laughs it off because, like, no. Like, <laughs> like that concept is just so, it's like, no, that's, no. But how do you get what you want? Like, if you know that someone likes to be challenged, like, so that you just go and you challenge them, right? Because that's what they want. And Martin tries to explain that before he would evade himself in a risk, he would make sure that he has certain things that uh or maybe just having an actual job in which there are rules if you are working for mi6 or any other agency and you are dealing with the criminally bad people who they have issues they have challenges they have syndromes mm -hmm. or whatever and they have been put into a hospital that is a hospital for the criminally not right then there are things it's protocol it's like jail you don't just go and see somebody who's in federal prison without fucking rules and so that's what he relays to yeah. her he says i am a professional i am dealing with people who require professional help and have been removed from society because they need this help. So when I go in to deal with a motherfucker, not only do I have a decade of experience with me, I also have other people who know how to deal with this fucking person. Yes. It's just you. Eve makes sure to have Martin understand that she doesn't consider herself a us in that situation where she's like, well, maybe I'm, well, not well, maybe, but she says that she's one of the thems to Martin before she takes his advice. Eve already has advice that she wants to give herself and take, and that is she wants to be direct. Right. We saw it with Fo Jafari. She brings it up with Martin. Martin advises her that that probably isn't the safest idea, which is why he brings up all of his employees that work with him. Eve doesn't give a damn. <laughs> and lets him know that she doesn't give a damn. Yeah, she says, well, she considers herself more of a them versus, uh, I guess, versus a neurotypical. And, you know, before she uh, exits the scene... Uh... Nor that's That's too broad. No. There's a lot of non-neurotypicals. By them, she means a killer. Because when she says, not the one-hit wonder, she's talking about murder. There isn't mm. much, there's a whole lot of people who are non-neurotypical who aren't fucking murders, Terrence. She's talking about killers, which is why she said the cannibal. And not just one-time killers, serial killers. People who kill multiple times. And she is responsible for more than one death. That is what she's alluding to, in my opinion. She is like, I am a killer, and maybe I'm one of them. I'm not one of the one-time incidental kills, which maybe that was series one. 
series two. She's done other things. We don't know what she's done at the break. She's certainly oh, shot Constantin without thinking twice about it. So she believes that. She's like, well, I don't need to be as concerned as you because I'm not one of y'all anymore. And you probably had the waves and the vibes that I wasn't one of y'all. In series two, I tried to lie about it. But when I said, wide awake, you put in your files. She's one of them. So <laughs> Eve is claiming her truth. And that's why Martin looked disturbed through most of that conversation. And which is why when she walks off, he's like, well, how's Villanelle? Because that's really how he gets another answer about how Eve is, which is why he asks about Villanelle. He doesn't ask her about what she's doing specifically. No, he's right. like, how's Villanelle? And that smile that, <laughs> oh, she's a Christian. And she's joking. She's being rude. She's being condescending. But then she looks at Martin seriously to be like, can that happen? Like, could that be real? Like, could she really be a Christian? Which goes back to my muse that Eve has been checking that church website for several months and weeks, wondering, pondering, thinking to herself. And Martin gives her a very specific answer, which is probably the answer she kind of wants anyway, which is no, it's not for real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he said that uh, reinvention is a form of avoidance. And with that, she says to Martin, well, don't get eaten. <laughs> and she's out, uh, she's out of there. I don't know why Eve was so confused as if Christians haven't historically been mass murderers. But... That's another day. That's another topic. It's a history lesson. I just don't know why Eve was so confused that murder and Christianity <laughs> could go hand in hand. I, like the, I'm like, have you read a crusades? history book? No, no, no. <laughs> I just don't know why it's such a, a concept one divorces from thyself when it's literally in the Bible. But anyways. And now we get a swimming pool shot and it's Vlad in the pool. We're with Carolyn at a pool somewhere in Russia, more than likely. And she walks up on Vlad like Elaine walked up on Dasha. Except she's not in Manolos. And yeah, asked him about his midlife crisis. And uh, I said uh, mid. You said, right, right. I said mid. It's third, <laughs> third like, late like, life uh, crisis. Mm. He has no hairs on his head and it's not by choice. Yeah, the season after spring for spring chicken was that somewhere. I don't know how those all work, but couldn't yeah. tell you. But he curiously mentions a debrief and it's like, oh, really? That's interesting. So it looks like Carolyn is working with the Russian authorities, the spy agency. She is turning over. She is becoming a snitch for MI or I guess against MI6 because she wants vengeance and the guy Vlad is a little apologetic to Carolyn and she's like bitch hold the apologies because if it were me nipples would be in electrodes and it's like whoa Carolyn can I get the, the prequel because what are you talking and, and about this only putting people's nipples our into electrodes right this only feeds our interest for what Carolyn was doing back in the day what was that jaunt like? Now, that is the show. Right, that is interest for there. I don't know if it feeds interest for a show or a spinoff, especially because I don't know how Killing Eve is going to end. But oh, that's true. will I always be curious about what Carolyn did when she was younger in her 20s and 30s? Hell yeah. And so before things can get officially rolling from Vlad, as he's not really giving firm yeses or firm noes with any version of security for Carolyn and her defecting proclamation. He, yeah, opens up a book and he starts asking Carolyn about three particular people. It's a folder uh, a, with photos a of folder. clearly MI6 agents. And Carolyn is snitching. She's dropping dimes. She's like, she someone is. is into kinks. Kinks that she likes to work out in public, but also in private. Another person is an addict. And the third person is Hugo. And he is easily swayed by his dick. So a honey trap will get that motherfucker. And all she asks in return for this information is a passport. All the information she doesn't have on what happened to Kenny. And an office that doesn't smell like a dysentery. Her words. And I'm like, where were you? Where it smelled like a dysentery? Is that what MI6 did? Because you look like you was chilling in Italy. But maybe you weren't. Maybe the office was bad. Well, Vlad's staring at her like, um, yeah, I can't even get you into the building at this point because um our people do they don't like rats and i'm like 
yo. And Carol is like, but I'm double downing on us needing to get the 12. And so I'm basically handing you an information that we need to smoke them out. And he says, well, we'll have to see if any of this information uh, proves useful. He says people don't like snitches. And he's right. Nobody likes a snitch. And they've made Carolyn a snitch. Where she is officially going on the record with Russian authorities, Russian government agencies to say, I'm dropping an official fucking dime. I am becoming a spy, a double agent. I'm doing it of my own accord. You guys can write it down in your books. And I'm going to tell you shit about my own former agency's people. So that is, he's being straight up. They did that. Mm. Carolyn is a snitch. I don't know how I feel about Carolyn being a snitch. I don't know that I agree that this is the best way for her to go about getting vengeance for Kenny, but she is that. She is a rat. That's what you do when you have your alleged allegiance to an agency for your lifetime, allegedly to your country, and you defect off of that because of a murder that ultimately you didn't handle appropriately last series, Carolyn, but that's what it is. And now you down bad. Now you out here begging for shit from other people, dudes, because apparently all your power has been removed in MI6. And I guess outside of all your money, you don't have enough connections and contacts to help you out. So it, Carolyn's down bad. And I, Fiona Shaw hinted at it, but she wasn't lying. She was like, I wasn't even sure how to play this. I see now what you mean. Ugh, horrible. It's, yeah, two years two years ago, someone told me that this would have been the kind of pincer uh, position that Carolyn Martin would have been in. I would have called you a lie. I would have called you a bold-faced lie. I didn't see this as mm-hmm. potential... This is like, right, this is like Carol's version of the bad place because th- there was no way to really think that this is what she would be going through. But I mean, there's here. ways to think of people getting demoted and not having power, but this way, especially when Hugo doesn't have confirmation that she shot Paul, much like most of the other details on series four, they don't exactly make sense just yet. So Carolyn is humbled, in a sense, with Vlad. It is sad. She gives up her information, and then we're back to the camp with Nell and crew. And the vicar has found his daughter in the kitchen with Nell, and he wants a word. But Nell has some attitude, maybe Villanelle, because it wouldn't be Nell. It would be Villanelle that would feel a bitch up. Just get a little something extra in the woods so that she was feeling good, because she definitely has some energy for her daddy that was like, uh, no, I'm busy with Nell. <laughs> and he just wants to know where they went. He's like, okay, we can have a private talk. Can you just tell me where y'all were? Like, what were you doing? She's like, Dad, we were just hanging out in the clearing, okay? <laughs> no, it was that. We yeah, just alone. That's, that's no, that's that was literally the that was the energy. He's, he's like, like, what about Capture the Flag? It's your favorite game. And I said, Capture the Flag. That. There's like eleven other people there. First no, of all, right? Capture the Flag. The age group. It's looking like Gen Xer to Boomer. No, yeah, number two. And what are you even saying? How grown is your daughter? She can't go wander off with a girl she thinks is pretty. She's clearly queer. Do you not know this, Vicar? Are you homophobic, Vicar? Why are you trying to stop May's blessings, Vicar? She said, things change, Dad. Uh, Lord. He was like, I think he was like, for better or for worse. I, he gave some, it was something snide, he said. Oh, no. He says something like, people can change or something to that effect. Right. After he says that you love Captain the Flag or whatever, like, it's your favorite game, she's like, people change. People change all the time. Daddy. Like I did today. And he's like, that's what I'm concerned about. Right. And it's clearly a concern that he has about her proximity to Nell. And, of course, uh, now make sure to bring that up to May. Like, oh, yeah, I'm to- he's totally warming up to me. Or, like, she is like, yeah, this is working. He's liking me. Yeah. Was that sarcastic? Because Villanelle told <laughs> said that sarcastically. No, 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 yeah. There was nothing being won over, and it's OD because at best, May was being decent to her for an hour. So I don't know why he was so pressed about Villanelle when May had hardly had time to truly inveigle herself back into Nell's presence. And May lets it slip that, you know what, he's such a hypocrite that you two are no different. And Nell's like, well, what do you mean? 
that we're no different. Like, we're the same how. I don't remember the exact phrasing, but she doesn't use no different. She basically implies he's worse than you. He's done something worse. He's done a murder. Mm. Yeah, she lets it slip that, yeah. Her mother lost her life because, you know, her dad was drunk. And that's how she died in a car accident. I think it's important to say that she doesn't just tell Villanelle this information. She does not want to tell Villanelle this information. She tries to keep the secret. And Villanelle basically says, what would Jesus do? Well, ultimately, right. And May is like, oh, (laughs) Jesus doesn't like a lie. Okay, so let me tell you what the truth is about my drunk driving daddy who murdered my mom and doesn't tell people that he did this. He tells people she's dead does not tell how she died to the people. She asks Nell to promise to not tell and then they embrace as she cries in uh, Nell's arms. She embraces well, yeah. Villanelle and yeah. to Villanelle's credit, she never promised. She didn't say, I promise. And if she did, I blocked it out. But I don't think she promised not to tell because she surely barely waited two hours before she let that secret out if it was that. But I also blame them picking on her at the game. They did it to themselves. Yeah. The next scene is around the fire and the Cloister members are playing a game. Stick a paper to your head with a word. The person with the paper on their face has to guess via the clues that the other people give. And Villanelle is the person who has to guess right now. And Hitler is on her head. And when the scene opens up, she's like, is it Hitler? And everyone's like, ah! And I'm like, how are we but, giggling? Yeah. How are we chuckling? And how do we get to Hitler we and we're uh, a cloister? So like, uh, so why, what What kind of, what are we on? It's <laughs> There's a few villains out there that everyone kind of knows Hitler's one of them. So realistically, it should be easy to imply Hitler is the thing on your head. I think the shittiness is putting it on Villanelle's head, a.k.a. Nell. Because everyone was being rude. And Not they were yet. being very bullish. And that's what's fucked up. Especially if you know if a bitch is struggling on her cloister journey. That it would upset her because everyone else was giggling. And then they tried to be like, oh, be easy now. Oh, it's just a game. Oh, it's no big deal. Which is why Villanelle's like, oh, ha, 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 ha. It's no big deal. Who's responsible? Who's responsible? And then it became clear that the vicar was responsible. Right. The vicar suggested Hitler probably had some inside joke he was trying to have with his daughter as he tried to get her off the sapphic jump. And so Villanelle was like, two could play that game. Because you think you know Petty? You don't know Petty. Now that Jesus Cristo is here, Villanelle has returned. I keep uh-huh. trying to lie to myself that I'm Nell, but Villanelle is here, and I'm feeling like I need to get you back. And this this was sweet, because she was like, all right, well, now it's my turn to write a name. And then she said, this is Bible theme, so it'll be fun. And so she puts the name Mary on the vicar's head, and he has to do his job of guessing what it is. May is nervous. Initially, she's like, girl, what? She gives mm-hmm. Villanelle a look mm-hmm. like, girl, the fuck? It was 15 minutes ago that I told you not to tell anybody. And we are in the camp circle. And you're about to tell everyone. Not just my dad that you know the secret, but everybody. And Villanelle's like, you're damn right I am. And it's very awkward. It's a bit melodramatic. Oh, it is. It's kind of sad. No one guesses appropriately. No, right. And he eventually figures it out because Villanelle tells everyone. Like, he doesn't actually figure it out. Villanelle's like, let me give you the answer. Is he a dead wife? You know, the one you murdered and stuff. Oh, group. Did you know that he murdered his wife and didn't tell y'all? Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Sadly, no one sees it her way, as far as we can tell. And she's like, I'm going to go get sausages. So I'm thinking that she thought that, yes, she, like, set it off. Like, she dropped the, you know, like, mic drop? Like, that she did that in front of everybody. And so she's basically celebrating with herself Jesus Villanelle going to get the sausages. Yeah, she goes to get the sausages. But that's because there was a healthy pregnant pause. No one said anything to her. She says the stuff. Everyone's like, wow, what the fuck? With our eyes. No, and right. Villanelle's like, oh, okay, so I guess I'll get the sausages. I guess we're, we're on to the next activity, right? Because this game is over, right? I've ended the game. Because you guys wanted to be mean. And now I could be. I could be mean. Oh, but I'm not. Mm. You guys don't think it's clever? You guys don't think it's cute? You were laughing at Hitler. This isn't cute? No, no, it's not no, fun no, to no, laugh no, about tragedy? No, no. She was showing them themselves. And then she went to get the 
those damn sausages. And Villanelle Cristo gaslit her. She was the one that said, hey, I see what you did out there. And it's fine. They're going to love you anyway. <laughs> that's literally what she tells her. Although the first thing she says is like, that's not what we discussed. Yeah. We discussed ways to get them on your side. That was not one of those ways, Villanelle. And I feel like she was like, I was improvising. I was being an artist. And her answer essentially is like, but did you see his face though? But did you see the payoff though? Did you see the expression on his face when he realized I exposed his bullshit to the whole cloister? And she makes a face. Villanelle does. Jodie Comer does. She's good at right. faces. She's good at faces. And it's funny. The deleted scene is funnier of her and Villanelle <laughs> Cristo going back and forth with, with the faces. With the frozen pop. Right. Yes. So that is what happens. And then Jesus, her, says, listen, you can't do anything without running it by me first, first of all. That's why I'm here to guide you. If you're going to do some shit, could you run it by Cristo or I'm going to smite you, ho? And for a minute, Villanelle's like, smite? What does that mean? And she's like, I'm playing, girl. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you're already smoked because you don't have the O for me, Palastri. You have already already been smoked. Look at your life. Look at your choices. Look at where you are. Wow. Well, You're already yeah. cursed. Yeah. Do we get the aside about casting the devils out into a pack of pigs? Oh, the analogy from the Bible? Uh, she does say something to that effect in the, in the kitchen. After she says, hey girl, like, don't feel bad. It's not like you've been pretending to be perfect. And sure, you've had a naughty streak. Who hasn't? <laughs> it's like, yes, who hasn't? And then tells the parable, that story of Garasa or whatever. Took the devil out of a man and Garasa and threw him into some pigs and stuff. And everyone thought that was great. People loved it and people will love you, bitch. So get out there with those sausages and go be loved by the cloister. <sighs> and I think she adds, she's like, because you saved them from evil in their midst. You showed them the deception of this vicar and they will love you for it. People will love you for that honesty and it's a lie because, because she goes back out there. Yeah, it's delusions. Pe people love what they know. They don't They've always They've been love talking the behind truth. her back. Right. They've been being mean girls in the grass and they are not happy that Villanelle's returned. So no one followed her to get the sausages to be like, hey, what you just did was really not cool. Right. And they were just there talking about her when she came back. And this is her trying to get the ball rolling. You play some music. You uh, get some more wood for the fire. Well, it's a little more awkward than that because she comes in and announces, don't worry guys, I'm back. Pregnant pause. Everyone's looking around, very weird. And then as she tries to break the tension because no one says shit to her, everyone's just looking at her and I'm like, this is actually some really bullying situation. Like she is speaking to people, they are ignoring her, they're not speaking back to her. And so to get the tension broken up, she's like, okay, so I guess I'll tell everybody what to do. No one wants to talk? You over there? Unpack that shit over there. You over here? Put on some music. Isn't this a party? You, get more wood for the fire. The fuck? I'll get this shindig going. And then, um... Mm. Barbara. Barbara. Right. Barbara. I, it's Barbara. Mm. Barbara. Barbara decides to stand up for justice. For the vicar. Because she's horrible. She must come to his aid because she misses the head shenanigans of the tent. She misses all of it. And so she has to be the one to defend the vicar. Not May, who's his daughter. No, it's it's Barbara. Didn't she go on about, like, I knew you were bad for the day you we, you first got she here? She has a few very specific lines that are not very nice lines. The first, she says, is, I knew you were bad inside. I saw it from the beginning. And Villanelle says probably my favorite line from her tonight. I have to think about what Eve said in a different part. But it's definitely my favorite line from Villanelle. And it's, no one cares what you think, Barbara! No, that's true. I felt that in and... my soul. I said that in the live. And I'm forever bonded with Villanelle for having that mutual thought that no one gives a fuck what you think, Barbara. And then some random dude off camera's like, I do! <laughs> fuck you, random dude. Villanelle was trying to make a point. Yeah, Barbara's like, wait, no. Villanelle first says that she cast the demon out. Yeah, and after then... she says that no one cares what you think, she says, do you not get it? Do you guys not comprehend what I just did for you? 
I just cast a demon out. All right. And Ugh. can they fault her? She's heard many a parable, many a Bible story. She's done all her lessons. She's been parishna of the week slash month <laughs> um, for a bunch of times. And so she knows stuff. She's probably just a little confused about the Bible tales. It seemed like she was casting out a demon. But Barbara, of course, has to let her know that he's not a demon. It's you who should go. And then Missy. other people were like, yeah. Missy. And I didn't like that the robble siding with Barbara because I was like, what is what is this? What are, y'all, what are y'all doing? It doesn't matter what he did. What he did was in the past. And I was like, what do you mean what he did was in the past? He killed his wife. Uh, I think that's complicated. That's a complicated answer. Should people be able to move on from their past in a fresh way? Absolutely. But there are different ways and vibes in which that happens and different nuances. And so the concept is fine. I think being able to start anew is a, is a perfectly fine concept. But if you are acting as a hypocrite, which May herself thought, as if you are beyond reproach or you can judge others because you've lived a life so holy, then that is what is false. And that is what he was doing, that he had Villanelle thinking that he'd never done anything bad. She clearly thought that. She clearly thought he was being some perfect vessel of Christianity. And May telling her that completely flips her world upside down. And so that's the hypocrisy that is definitely in the church. And I would say any religious institution where people got to put their money where their mouth is. And Mm -hmm. Villanelle just found out perhaps a lot sooner than other people do. And this is where the line gets a little weird, as I said, week, month, because Villanelle asks Barbara after she's like, we don't care about the past. We care about who the man is now when I sneak into his tent. (laughs) Oh, and Villanelle's like, well, who the fuck? was winning Brishna of the week. And Bravo reveals that she's won because she invented it. And I was curious. I said, where do they do Parishna of the month? But in this script, they said Parishna of the week, which struck me as odd because when we paused on that photo to try to figure out the time jump in the deleted scene, it said month. It did say month. So I'll leave it for the musings, but that's all. It's just two episodes back to back and things don't connect. Okay. Sure. Moving on. So after Barbara chastises her, and I really feel like Barbara is a hater because she never got parishion of the week or the month, Villanelle was not the only face there. She was not, but you know who wasn't there? Barbara. Because I noted it when we talked about it after Barbara threw the kitty. And I said, what is Barbara's problem? So she was a hater, obviously. She probably was jealous about Villanelle's proximity to the vicar when Villanelle wanted nothing to do with the vicar knob. It's true. But Barbara is projecting. I've given Barbara all kinds of problematic issues, but she forced me to do it. Nobody asked her to say that. So everyone in the back is agreeing, by the way. As every time Barbara says something, you hear a whole bunch of people, yeah. And it's it's very weird. It is weird. Very goofy energy. I don't like it. And before Villanelle can fully walk off, Barbara has another horrible thing to say. She's like, there's a saying in my family, you can put a wig on shit, but it still stinks of shit. And they actually send Villanelle away. And I don't know what kind of retreat in which you guys are quizzing each other on scriptures and parables and all kinds of nonsense, but you can't find the patience and decency to be kind to someone on your camping trip. Yeah, it's it's Congratulations, it's you guys are horrible. And so she she storms away from the group and she throws a stick into the wild. I was hoping she would hit something or someone. But... She screamed into the no, yeah. And she was screaming for Villanelle Cristo because she's like, you said they would love me. And at that moment, I'm just like, poor baby, poor Villanelle, poor Villanelle. And then I think about Eve and how this is like at least 50% her fault. Like it's 50% Villanelle's fault, but 50% Eve's fault. So down bad she remains. She needs her adoration, which means she needs her Eve Pilastri. No, it's Because true. she needs to believe the adoration. She needs to know it's true. And it's not based on folly and horniness like me. <laughs> 
Maybe she threw a stone. I don't think it was a stick. It was a stone. I'm like, is this supposed to be a pun intended with all the Bible puns? Like, because they definitely threw the first stone. They sure did. And she was throwing the last stone. But I don't know. So now we got our down bad feels with uh, Nell. And we get a shot of Carolyn in the Russian safe house, which does not look like. Uh, it looks dirty. Yeah, it, looks it, doesn't, it doesn't look. It There's doesn't a look dead great. rat. Yeah, I, didn't, Somewhere I did in not it. like the rat where it's it was. It's not. Carolyn is slumming it. Just like mm. Villanelle, she remains down bad. Just like all of our fave bitches in this show, they all remain down bad in different ways. And Carolyn is no exception. I'm not even going to linger mm. on this scene. It is what it is. She is yeah. someplace dirty and grimy with dead rodents. A rat for Horrible. a rat. Ugh. And from there, ugh, Eve and Foe are headed to Paris together. Because I guess he can't just call or text information. And Foe was asking Eve questions about bathroom breaks. I, I, I don't really know. He said he was doing a rota for the stakeout. I, the way I don't give a fuck about anything, he says, uh, I don't know if you have anything else to add, but they were talking about stuff to head to Paris. Okay, Eve Palastri says she wants steak. They land and there's a steak in front of Eve. I felt like the steak was overdone. But, you but think they flew? Oh, they probably bust. I don't know how it works over a there. Train. Okay, a train. It's Europe. Okay. There's other ways to get around country to country. Okay. And now he has thoughts about Eve's attitude because now she's not acting as high energy as she was before. It's not her fault the steak was overdone. No, it's the I chef's know. fault. Whoever fucking brought it out. He makes a weird comment about her initially being a dragon tattoo. And I'm like, oh, is that... Okay, we know the book, we know the film, and says now she's more like Eeyore. Which, and all of that is very weird. Very weird. Is this the proof that he's what the American? Right. The references to me don't map. Proof but that are he's these... an American? What? No, just I feel like they're coding him a particular way. Like I'm thinking that these oh, references. It's are... interesting that you think there's a personality there that's being coded oh, outside of well. bland as hell. I believe I said that earlier at the start of this recap. He is like some empty vessel of a boy next door. Johnny good guy, but it's supposed to have an edge, but none of us believe the edge. Mm. I don't have anything. I don't even believe he was a Marine, a basic ass jarhead. I do not believe he was in the Air Force. He doesn't have the intellect. I do not believe he was in the Navy. He's not queer. No, that's wrong. I do not believe he was in any of those things. Oh the British God. versions of it. I just happen to know a lot of queer people. No, 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 Navy. No. Yeah, it's, inside it's joke weird, for right? Inside jokes for If you yeah. are in that mm. business, you first, if you served. So I guess that <laughs> Thank means, you for your service. So I guess that means that foes from the wrong side of the bridge then. because I can't even say the wrong side of the bridge. He doesn't give me that. That is my whole point is that he doesn't give me edge. He gives me nothing. It's like when you watched Buffy. There were obviously opposing kinds of men. You have Xander, who's one type of dude. You mm -hmm. have Angel, who's another type of dude. Mm -hmm. He's supposed to give off broody, edgy. Is he dangerous? Did David Boreanaz not give that off? He did. He's he like, did. I'm brooding. I'm edgy. Look at my gel. I'm wearing black. Mm -hmm. I'm dangerous mm -hmm. because I'm just playing this like I'm dangerous. That's my whole point. Faux Jafari is giving me nothing except somehow bland, basic Boy next door, the type of guy you bring home to meet your mom, which is why I'm confused why he's useful to Eve. If he seems like the kind of guy you can bring home to your grandmama and not worry. Like he's not a future. He's a Russell Wilson. But I'm supposed to believe that he has edge. I'm supposed to believe he is dealing with life or death situations. I'm supposed to believe that he can teach Eve how to kill somebody when he's given Russell Wilson. And I'm sorry for no one who understands the NFL reference. It's, it's, but Russell Wilson no, but is a very likable football you're right. player. You're right. He's married to Ciara. I mean, and future is Ciara's ex. And he's a piece of shit. So there's different vibes so he is giving russell wilson but not in the the fun way he's giving hold the spice he's he... he's giving brussel sprout like i just oh he is so uninteresting and i don't know how he shares this many lines with sandra oh and he is this 
un. Interesting. And so I'm like, is it the lines? Is it because you're just a plot device? You're just a way for Lauda and them to get Eve to certain places and to get information on her hands? And this is how they've decided to do it because they've done it every season with some side fucking character and all of our favorite side characters are gone? No Lena, no Kenny. The list is done because I never fell in love with Jess. Didn't no, give a shit I about know. Hugo. Well, Don't give well, a fuck about Bear. Well. Surely not Jamie. So that's my argument. That's actually my faux argument is that because he is a device, it is why he is so fucking flat. Like Jess had more of a personality. And she did. Jess was judgmental. Jess was she assumed was. to be mother. And her whole energy was giving off judgmental soon to be mom. Looking at you, messy Eve, and being like, mm, girl, do you even get checks? Right. Like she literally was like, do you? I don't think you know what's going on here. Right, right. And so he's giving nothing. I don't know why. I don't know what the direction was. But it just feels like they were like, give us June Cleaver, all right? Give us June Cleaver, but make it like Jafari. Like Mo, you're, you're Mo Jafari, but you're June Cleaver. You have skills, but nobody knows it. But you're going to say it. Like you have it, but nobody's going to know because they're not going to feel it. They're not going to actually see it, but you're going to say it. Okay? And action. It's, it's so, so strange because- whatever. Then you have him drive Carolyn to Eve's jogging route and say that, oh, she made me bring her. And it's like, oh, so there's a connection. Are we going to explain it? No. So, no, we're not. Uh, right, no, right. We're sure. Not. Sure. So, yeah, we're at this stank dinner where Eve didn't eat her dinner. And Foe is essentially calling her a punk. He's basically saying, you are a scaredy cat. You came up on here on your dragon tattoo jaunt, and now you're scared, like Eeyore. Because he said Eeyore. That That's like saying the said. cowardly lion. That's a certain type of character to be like, you have no violence in you. You are ready to be punked. And so that was rude. Eve don't got time, so she, she told him to get the check. And then he reassures her because I guess that's something they do together. Again, I don't know why, but he's like, hey, you're not going to die. You're not going to die? Because Eve is like, I don't think I'm coming out of this hoe. He's like, you're not going to die. You're going to be okay. I believe in you. Eve takes a steak knife when he gets the bill. And for someone who can afford to rent or own Ducatis, buy body cons, and <laughs> new earrings, pay to live in a hotel, you got to steal a steak knife from the restaurant. It's probably not even as sharp as you need it to be. No. But sure, the steak knife. And when confronted on this, she goes, it's helped me before because she said, this this ain't like this ain't going to be enough. Like this ain't. I'm glad you went past the the witty that wasn't witty het banta of them going back and forth of her denying having the steak knife and him knowing she has it because he knows her so well. We get it, Lauda. Enough with the inside jokes. Yeah, Enough it's, it's, with the references. We fucking obvious. get it. Yeah. It's too much. You guys really piled it the fuck on these two episodes, and I'm fucking over it. End it. Be done. I'm done. I get it. They know each other. He knows her. I get it. How much more? When will my watch end? And uh, they. Ba- <sighs> He's oh, against the bill. her plan. The bill. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. The bill. So the bill comes. He wants to pay. He wants to pay. Eve says, Eve no, I want to pay. Wants and I said, well, what money? His money? His credit card? Eve? And so Eve then suggests that they split it. And I'm like, whatever. Are you still using this credit whatever. card to split this bill? So, mm, money. Okay, Eve. All right. You got money. All right. Mm. And the next scene is Carolyn at dinner with Vlad, laughing hysterically and desperately, if I must <sighs> say. Listen, it's, again, it's not a good look for Carolyn. It's a bad look. Mm. It's the worst. And, Low down, we've ever seen, huh? Yeah. No power. It's hard. Uh, Barely uh, any influence. It's sad. And she, you know, as uh, I was about to say, as Carolyn Custer, but because she's never, I've never seen Carolyn in this situation. She tells Vlad, oh, I have a gift for you. And then she offers him a white box. He opens it and is greeted with giant rat more than likely. We don't get to see. And she's like, well, yeah, I was in my safe house, so. He was like, well, you know, my team wouldn't be. He says snitches get stitches. (laughs) 
or in this case, rats get rats. Mm -hmm. So sadly, we understand. There's no reason why those Russian operatives just trust Carolyn Maltz. No, no, right. So of course, Carolyn wants updates on all the stuff. She is desperate for the updates. Reminds him, don't try to outsmart a bitch because you don't have the neurons, which at least a little bit of my Carolyn Massandri that I've come to know and love. And of the updates we hear, my favorite is that Hugo has already fallen from the honey trap. And so it's like, Laura, what's the time jump? Was it a week? (laughs) Was it a couple days? Because I need to know how quickly some girl, some pretty Russian gal, got Hugo fucked up because we already know what happened with Eve. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take really anything to get Hugo in the honey trap. Carolyn gave the best intel and they got that motherfucker locked up. And yeah, but one of the operatives in which I guess they were trying to milk ended up taking their own life. And to that news, Carolyn reacted, but not like heavily reacted, but you, she was affected. Carolyn was affected by the news. And uh, she I would say had... deeply affected, judging from the bathroom. Well, yes. And we don't know if it's the woman herself or something that the woman maybe reminded her of, but she definitely seemed to be affected for some reason. And she did not want Vlad to see the full effect and went into the bathroom to fall apart in the mirror. Right. Maybe we will find out why Carolyn is so disturbed. I hope so. (sighs) Sooner than later, ideally. And then we're to Eve getting ready in the mirror. We see foe in the bed because if Lauda isn't reminding us that Eve is sleeping with him, is she writing the episode? I don't think she is. I don't think she is. They're like, hey, hey. Hey, you quiz. Just in case you forgot, there goes foe in the background yet again while Eve is putting on her shirt. And we must imply to you once again that they probably fucked. We don't need these implications. We're over the implications. But you said no, no, one more time. One more time. Which is probably next episode. I'm like, another one? Another one? After Villanelle breaks in? Watch. I know there's reasons why people say I'm going to run away from the third episode. And I'm just trying to brace myself. I'm wondering if, so when does the show start? If that is episode three. And it might be. And so, ugh. well, it starts to get interesting after she's dressed and Foe is out of the frame because Eve arrives at a lens and that bitch just opens the door because mm-hmm. she has the ring cam, fucking cloud cam. <laughs> you know, she has security mm. and she is waiting for Eve with that fucking tampon bug in her hand. Like, oh, hey, bitch, uh, come to get this as you try to retrieve your shit. Like you thought you could just drop this and I wouldn't figure it out. Is that what you thought? But Eve, doing the thing that she talked to everyone about, she said her plan was to challenge her. She says, no, I'm here to cook you dinner. And, like, basically, she essentially barges in with groceries. And she was like, well, I can take that back. I think, and I possibly said this on the live, I said this is Eve on her Villanelle. This is... To me, this is straight out of Villanelle's playbook because the direct approach was going to her door. Mm -hmm. And whatever Eve was planning to say, she did not say because she was met at the door before she could fucking knock. This was her being on her Villanelle. This was, I'm going to unsettle you by coming into your home and trying to take charge in some kind of way, even though this is not my fucking space. And that's exactly what she does. She barges in. I'm like, did she go to the grocery store? I guess she shopped because she surely showed up with those groceries. But then she let the vegetables and things fall over the floor. (laughs) potatoes rolling she threw the bag and it's like literally inside someone's home eve you could have asked where's the trash is it here let me just throw this here she didn't give a fuck and of course i had to call bullshit where she was like i'm here to make you dinner girl you don't make anything eve you can't cook no right right it's sad it's sad but we saw those eggs we know that nico made the shepherd's pie no right and that you never ate it and so what are we to say what are we to take of the fact that you offered shepherd's pie were those even the ingredients for shepherd's pie because i saw no ground beef was it vegan shepherd's pie and if it's vegan shepherd's pie is it shepherd's pie she asked what we were having it just everything about it just it, it fed into the ridiculousness it is like oh where, where are your knives and she's like there my knives are in their holders that's what that's where my knives are and here's eve oh 
well, let's start cutting a few things over here. And so we get some small talk where it's like, what do you, would you like to know how I do? that uh your little they can't see your gesticulations oh, i'm sorry sorry <laughs> she's like, she said do you want would you like to know how i knew that your tampon was a bug she's like because i don't she said i don't use don't let me deliver the line thank spare you. the listeners please thank spare you. the listeners that thank you so much she is waving the tampon bug and wants to give eve clues as to how she's been discovered and she says a line which Truly was a drag for Eve Palastri if I ever saw one. I don't know if Lauda's listening to the podcast. I don't know if she's seen the speculations of the fandom about Eve and her own lack of autoerotic fixations for her own body because of the knob hopping. And Alain says, I've never understood women who can't insert their own fingers into themselves. <laughs> It's OD. There's a lot of levels. To what Elaine said, there's a lot of ways to take it. Eve can barely take it because she's like not be being dragged, but also being reminded of Sappho because she cut herself. She cut, she was cutting the carrot and it got away from her. Oh, damn. Because Elaine said that. And she's like, oh, shit. <clears throat> what? <laughs> Kudos to Helen. I'm like, are you talking about a diva cup or whatever? Because that could be what she was referring to. That is an alternative. And you, well, it's better for the environment, but it's basically a cup that you insert yourself. You know, the more you know. And so I assume that Ellen is talking about this other way to deal with one getting their period. Okay, got it. She's I mean, yeah. probably talking about that because I can't imagine what else she's talking about that requires two fingers that is a replacement for a tampon, if not something like a diva cup. Right, or because similar. everything else is more like a lining, like something that's winged or tabbed like or a pad. It's like, yeah, that's not an insert. So Yeah, everything else is designed to give you toxic shock syndrome. Not healthy at all. And so at the sight of blood, the Lady of Red advances and it's like, oh. And we won't play or pretend that there was consent involved. The blood is now being... Um, I'm sorry. Was there consent anywhere in no, this no, interaction? Right. No, no. There was right. a whole lot of taking from no. both women. So yes. it is what it is. So There's uh, a sapphic moment. There is. There is. It's a vampiric moment. Carmilla. I, I don't know what was going on with the lady in red. I feel like the episodes start to slow down or speed up. One of them, if the episode felt slow, it picked up the pace here. Or if the episode was blinding past, it, it started to slow down here. Like, I don't know. Like super sensory like I, I don't get it but i was yeah like these were moments to definitely notice soon as the finger leaves the mouth uh so before we go to what helen does it is important to note eve's face and interaction during this because right. you're just talking about helen and you I forget am. that eve is there no, is there no, it's no, her no, finger yeah. yeah and she is responding to it and it doesn't look like she shook it it doesn't look like She's disgusted. It looks like there's other emotions happening there. It is not disgust. It is not let go. It is, oh, what's this? And so I just feel like that needs to be noted. No. Um, I feel like it was two kinks in one. So a lot of no, stuff's yeah. going on. Len, do you have a blood kink? Like, what's going on over here? Uh, you rushed over. And the way that she did Eve, like Eve did Villanelle, where, like, let me disarm you with sapphic vibrations and then let me do violence <laughs> to, to you in the same fucking second, it feels like, because that's what happens. She is licking on a bitch sucking on a bitch finger and he was like hey wow what and the next thing you know her fingers her hand is slammed across or on top of the electric stove yes 
and it looks intimidating. It's not on yet, but she's letting the bitch know, I could burn you right the fuck right now. And she says that she wants to know something about the woman that's in her house cooking for her. So she wants to know. She's like, don't be rude, right. bitch. You try to cook me dinner, but I don't know anything about you. Do tell. She's and Eva's like, 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 uh, like long walks on the beach. Holidays, dogs, walks on the beach. And I'm like, lie, Eve. lie, and more lies. Eve. Nothing but lies. That was, that was, that was cute, Eve. That, it was cute. It was cute. She's lying like Villanelle, which is why I say this whole shit. And I will save it for my musings, but there is a lot of parallels to episode five of series one. And I would have to imagine at this point that it was intentional from Lauda just because it's too many. It's too many uh-huh. um, for it not to be intentional. So Alain is like, that's cute. Okay, you said dogs. Okay, you said holidays and like walks on the beach. But also what else? Because none of that connects to why you're in my fucking kitchen right now. So what else? And Eve, of course, says, and bitch, I want a 12. I want to bring down a 12. I would like to destroy the fucking 12. She wants to cut the head off the monster specifically and Elena's like oh my god that's wonderful actually it's funny that you bring up wanting to end the 12 because me too too I too would like to end the 12 and Eva's looking for I guess the right way to react to what she just heard her, because... her reaction was really her reaction was <laughs> I, I was plotting and planning what I was going to have to do I was trying to do my psychological manipulations right. and take my tips from Short Martin and you be. have just fucked me up right. so wait you wanna you wanna do the same shit I'm doing that's weird. Okay, so let me try to rethink about my whole fucking approach. And before she can even bother, because Eve... <laughs> <laughs> you guys can't it's... see what I'm doing. I'm so sorry. Yeah, you are just making gestures that no one can see. Lady in Red says something like, isn't it amazing when you can find someone that you can really connect with? It's so rare. It's so rare. And Eve is trying to say some shit outside of, again, that's for the muse, but there is absolutely a comparison to Villanelle once again with Elaine's words, but that is for this next episode. Eve starts to say some shit like, oh, you're one of those, but it's not. Ellen doesn't let her get it out. She doesn't let her finish. Mm-hmm. She flips the fucking script. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what is it like? A, first of all, Eve, take lessons from Ellen. Because right. the way Faux put you in that headlock versus the way Ellen got your hand onto the stove and turned the heat up. She said, Someone has more skills. No, right. Spoiler. It's not faux. Because uh, there were three beeps and I said, that's high. Yes. Like they, right. the Foley Low said high. high. Right. They said high. It was orange right away. Mm-hmm. For those people out there with electric stoves, you know how quickly it gets hot. And this is where the scene, this was definitely the best part oh, of the scene. Probably the best part of the episode. The faces, right. The way the camera was, these looks, I just, everything about the way how they were, yes, most of this was just a measuring contest, but I, I did not care. It was not no. a negative thing. No, to we're me. not going to use measuring contests for women. Kidding me? Delete it. Remove it. Dick measuring is, I assume, what you mean. That's not what that is. I would call this a tango dance. Like this is not dick measuring. This is not who's tougher. Especially given what Eve reason French from the storybook has nothing to do with who being stronger. As if being stronger matters didn't matter in that storybook. This is about the dance of misandry in Sappho. This is about figuring bitches out with not their words but their behavior, mm. or not just their words but their behavior because Eve's first reaction is a smile. That heat goes on. I said, girl, what? Is this one of your, is this a side fantasy, a kink that you have thought about? Because the way you are excited to have a woman give you pain and I have to flash back to Villanelle telling uh, one Nico Palastri what he had to do to get you in a certain mood and it just, it feels like Elaine was zeroing in on certain things and if she hadn't zeroed in and she was just being violent and fucked up like she likes to do, she figured it out while staring at Eve and that interaction that was happening. They figured it out while staring at each other, which was invigorating and 
infuriating as a villainy fan, but also fun to watch because this is the first time we've seen Eve truly on Dark Eve Rising outside of stuff directly connected to Villana or her by herself. I'm alone, I'm stabbing myself, I'm over here and I'm doing this. No, she was in front of Elen and she was like, turn the fucking temperature up. And Elen was like, I, I will, bitch. Watch this. Watch this. Oh, oh, is it? <laughs> because they were going back and forth. Yeah. So I noted how Sandra played that shit. She fucking was smiling from the jump. I noted that smile, that smirk. I was like, it looks kind of flirty. Oh, oh yeah. And these are kinks, ma'am. This is something else coming out of you right now because this is pleasure. And you can't hide the fact that you get pleasure from pain unless you're a motherfucking uh, what's that show? Eyes to die. You're trained to hide oh, your right, emotions. Right, right. You're trained to show people nothing. First of all, Eve is barely trained, despite no, what right. they're saying. But there's no way she was hiding the turned onness. No, right. There's well, you can't hide that. Like it's it's exposed. It's right. like that movie Crash. It's exposed. Your your dirty shit is out there. Oh, yeah. Your secrets are out. There's nothing you could do. Eve Palastri, just let Elen know. I'm into the business. I'm in to the pain and the pleasure and the mixing it up and the springing it around. And she was like, Oh, me too. Which is why I compared it to Root and Shaw. I, I, you can't not compare it. What are we doing? Root and Shaw, there was an iron. And the iron was by a bitch's cheek. It was by Sarah Shahi's cheek. And she was like, bitch, bring it closer. And Root was like, oh? <laughs> oh, uh, maybe I will bring it the fuck closer. You know what? I don't have more time to play. I wish I had more time to play, but I will keep this in my notes for later. And I think that's that's kind of what was happening here. And that's why I didn't want to say the power thing because the power shifts. And Ooh. that's what's cool about the scene. Eve has the power in a moment and then Ellen has the power. And then Eve is like, oh, me too. I got that. Can me get that back? Then she got the power. And then Ellen is like, oh, I, I have the power back. You need some ice. And then Eve was like, oh, I'm stroking a child like I'm a fucking killer. I have the power back. And so there was just a lot of things going on. I feel like it was intentional. I didn't dislike it because there was no dudes on screen for me to suffer through. But no, it was right. definitely a, a tango, a dance, or whatever, which explains why Eve is choking a bitch out. She has already accelerated to a thing. The woman has burned her hand, and so she's got all the energy for Ellen. And it feels like it's gonna lead to boudoir. The bitches was talking about dessert. Oh, what's dessert? Because right. she said she only had lobster, and I said, <laughs> okay, big spender. You only have lobster to make. But what's dessert? Who's dessert? Questions and the answers. What painful things are also dessert because you bitches awesome next shit. It's the way how it had there been. No, actually, I like how you incorporated the fact that the daughter came and interrupted the flow, but it was incorporated into the dance. Oh, I it like an, that it was another piece. Up. It was no, another yeah. piece to play. Yes. Yep. It was just yes. another piece to play. To go back to when she first got her, when they're first dancing on the stove together and Eve is like, ow. <laughs> So this is what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And then she said that she, she normally uh, doesn't do the the torturing. She's like, bitch, that's not, not me. I have on. minions. Right. I have right. minions. But this is special. Right. <laughs> you are special. And it's like, girls, mm. ladies, what are we doing? But don't stop. Girls, stop. Right, don't right, stop. Right, no, no, no. Stop. Right. But don't right. stop. Right. I think we get a cut, too, to the stove. And it looks like it's getting really hot. It looks like we are in territory because she has the hand pressed. Yes, Which does. is so much more it's, intense than right. just placing your no, hand right. there. Oh, my gosh. It's like, say goodbye to your fingerprints, depending on how you... I mean, not really, but yeah. It's hot. fucked up because it's, it's getting hotter. Yes. And the way Sandra O oh is playing it, she's getting more turned on. She played it that way. We've watched Sandra O oh play Eve Palastri for three series, and we know when she's mm -hmm. playing turned on. We've mm -hmm. seen it enough times. But Villanelle and Nobs via proxy, and she was feeling it. She was feeling the sapphic vibes. And so I'm like, Lauda, I need you to give more in that direction and less in the faux direction. If you're going to have Eve being a bastard to Villanelle, why can't she be a bastard with a woman? Why must she be a bastard with a man? Hmm? Why? I was about to say, does it hurt? Mm. Oh, my God. 
goodness. I mean, she does ask Eve, does it hurt? And Eve says, only if I let it. It's like, okay, you were listening in. And maybe you had a bug because you have all kinds of tech that doesn't make any sense. Maybe you had a bug to a little satellite to be like, I can hear what you're saying, lady in red. Or just have really great ears. Got excellent hearing. I know what you said. I mean, that was how she got the stuff. She was like, she's looking to be challenged. And I don't know how Eve took that from her date, from her fucking Tinder date. I've never had a woman who could challenge me. Eve, how did we interpret that as assassins, as 12 co-workers or potential other spies for other agencies? That was presumably her love life, her boudoir life. And you were like, she needs someone to challenge her. Like, <laughs> okay, Eve, way to jump to conclusions. I mean, the stove gets shut off or does the hand get removed? Does the stove uh, get shut off? I feel like it's a both. Hand? Yeah, it could be both. Because Helene let her hand loose she definitely lets go to be like all right bitch i'm gonna let you go and it's after eve says only if i let it because mm. she's probably like oh, okay were you around early this morning okay bitch, I, didn't even, I don't know i usually am aware of people stalking me i was not aware of you touche let me get you something cold stay here and she gives her like a little elbow touch i said what's this and i had to note it because it's what the gays do it's what the no. queers do when you out here touching shoulders and elbows and napes it means something else and so i'm like why is Helen touching a bitch as she walks away. That is a reassuring touch of something. Of lust? Of intent? What intent? We can't be sure. But I want to say at least half of that intent, 40% of that intent, is sapphic. And it's the way that even though the Lady Red is walking away, Eve is still expressing this, like, this this elated, like, this, she's still... She's giving <laughs> off, this was hot. Yes. Why did I just have more orgasms than I had in my entire seven-month right. relationship with Fo Jafari? Why? <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping that this is the... Now why I can't are go women back. evil? Right. No, she's probably like, why are women evil? Why do women make me feel this way? I can't handle it. <laughs> Let me go back to folk where everything's simple. But but she I she can't go back to where it's, it goes bumping. She knows what goes bumping at night. She can't go back. Like I, I we think, keep saying this, but Lauda keeps saying, "Hold my baby." I know. So we keep talking about the queer jaunt, but then Lauda says, "Do you know what you're talking about?" So it's hard. It's hard. But she comes back and she gives her a frozen thing, something, and she's like, "Here, put this on your little hand." Is it? Does that help? Does that feel better? And here goes Eve shooting her fucking shot to have another partner right. in crime. Advanced. You don't have to do this alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Give oh. me a name. Oh. No, no, right. right. Really? Wow. And then, of course, she's like, who's at the top? Who is at the top of the pyramid? I want to know. Who is it? Who is that? And Alain says what? She'll tell her after dessert. And did Eve go in for... I feel like that is the that was like the go. Like, no, go. there was a lustful stare. All right? Eve's lips parted. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's body language to say... <laughs> I'm inviting something in. Uh-huh, like uh-huh. a tongue. Like yeah, that's, it's yeah, all, yeah. it's subconscious, conscious body cues that just if you study body language, that's how you can tell what people are really feeling. If you do enough watching, enough observing. And so she parted the lips, parted like the Red Sea. All right. For the Moses of Lady in Red. And she was ready. She was primed. And here comes the child. Here comes <laughs> Chloe. I, Chloe. I yelled Chloe. because I was like, where's the where's grandma? Where's the babysitter? I thought we were going to get two kisses. Nanny? No, right. I thought we were going to get two sapphic kisses and one wasn't going to involve Villanelle kissing herself, but they said no. No, only one kiss. And is it sapphic or is it just disturbing, Candace? Is it disturbing? Love yourself. Like Loki. Oh, save it for the muse. Anyway, I remembered the end in Villanelle making out with Cristo. Cristo, Villanelle. Right. It was a lot. It was a lot for me. Yeah, so after Elena's is like, after dessert, and Chloe comes barging in. Oh, I'm awake. I'm awake, mother. Isn't that wild? And it's like, when you were a kid, when you suddenly woke up, did you just run out to see what your parents were doing? I feel like that's the kind of shit that got you in trouble. No, right. Like, if I was supposed to be in bed and I wasn't asleep, I better find something to do. Like, read a book. Okay, let me do this. Let me do a puzzle on my floor. I'm not going to bust out the room and let my parents know I'm awake. Here's me not listening to you. 
No, so, right. but Chloe has no boundaries. Chloe's probably very spoiled, if I had to guess. And of course, Lady Rose like Eve is one of the best storybook readers. <laughs> what did she say? Best storyteller, storybook readers. Something to that effect. And Eve is like, what? Like the look on her face is like the way that I've never read a story to a single person, especially not a child. Ellen, you don't know me at all. <laughs> but that's that's the energy she's giving her. She said, "My child's got her mother's determination." But I'm like, yo, how many times has Chloe been awake? I already know Ellen is on some bullshit every day especially she was making out with that blonde with the streaks i'm like how many bitches have you brought home here comes chloe mom i'm awake i'm awake from your sapphic shenanigans once again okay <laughs> someone read to me because i said i can fucking go to sleep how many women have read to chloe mm. only time will tell i'll save it for the muse how many women have read to chloe and i wonder if she just has a multitude of books in other languages or is she just primarily i could see chloe's being like uh learned she looks like she is nine and yet somehow about as tall as Ellen. Because she picked that child up and I said, oh, dear. No, yeah. <laughs> Not her being your whole body size. Yeah. I'm just glad Chloe didn't come out with that same energy from that kid from Tell It to the Beast. Oh, you dirty dogs! Because the way they always got some kids just popping up in a queer movie to be like, oh, you homos! I'm going to tell my mom. It's... I'm going to tell my dad. I'm going to tell him you're doing the devil's work in this bed. Even though the, what are you doing? the more naturally curious kid is going, oh, what's that? Versus... <laughs> no, not these homophobic children no, from right. movies. No, They're right. all homophobes. Yeah. Literally, it's... when I first saw Tell It to the Bees, the way that I busted out in laughter in public, because it's the way the child says it, like he discovers that they are doing the lesbianics. And he literally is like, and it's a little boy, little blonde hair boy. He's so far away from facial hair. And he's like, you dirty dykes! And I, like, I was inconsolable with laughter. Like the kind of laughter that sends me to the ground where I'm rolling and I can't help that I'm rolling because it's that funny. And so I halfway expect that Chloe to be like one of these tropes of children that just interrupts the queer shenanigans. I will agree that Chloe is learned in the sense that she's not a homophobe. All right. When she comes and sees the next woman that her mom is entertaining, she knows how to get some out of it. She's like, well, read me a book, bitch. Right. Give me a piggyback ride, bitch. Right. Do something. You so tell my mom a story. Tell I support me a story. It. Right. Yeah. Right. So this giant child is very forceful with Eve. Mm -hmm. Grabs her hand and is like, get over here. Throws Eve in a chair essentially and then throws herself on top of Eve and mm -hmm. Eve is upset. she is perturbed mm -hmm. she said not this child sitting on me the way I hate children and I just said it for the first time but I'm convinced Eve hates children like I'm convinced she is the type of adult that never wants to be around kids because not only does she not believe in actual true goodness I just don't think she could deal with that type of innocence around her Eve Pilastri no way and she definitely seems to be annoyed by Chloe from the start until she starts doing threats against Chloe like she was stroking her hair it looked menacing Eve and mm. I was very disturbed that you were threatening a child but before we get there Chloe pulls out her Eve definitely seems like she's trying to get out of the situation, but Helen, the lady in red, is telling Eve not to ruin the mood. So I don't know if this is tryouts. <laughs> I don't know what this is. It could be wife tryouts. We don't know how Ellen operates, but right. it definitely didn't seem like the first time that a bitch was telling some woman in her place to read to her child and that that was a thing. And she's like, oh, come on, don't ruin the moment. After Eve is giving very clear facial cues that you need to get your child off of me expeditiously. Mm -hmm. And she's like, don't ruin the moment. And that's why I'm like, is this wife and training shit? Like, is this, is this another word kink, Ellen? Explain! What is going on? I would think you'd be more concerned that this random, unhinged woman, who is not so random at all, Eve Palastri, is with your child, but mm. you're not. And Eve starts to read a book in French. And what she says in English is very interesting because it certainly feels like it's supposed to parallel what's actually happening in her life. And she reads, Once upon a time, there were two princesses one who wanted to kill the same dragon. The first princess was stronger, 
more beautiful, and wanted all the glory. But the second princess had powers the first had no idea about. And then she starts stroking Chloe's hair in a not motherly way. It was a sinister way. Mm. It was a way I learned how to crack a neck, Lady in Red. Test me. And I was feeling concerned. I was getting flashbacks to Gabrielle. And I said, no, Eve, because <laughs> I don't know what Loud is about to do. So no, I, I didn't know what Eve potentially could do to the little girl. And I just didn't want to see it. So I'm glad she didn't do it. But she was giving those vibes. I'm like, you threaten a child? That's where we are, Eve? Threatening Chloe? And I think that's why the Lady in Red changes her jaunt a little bit because she is having fun. The power is in her hands when she's like, don't ruin the mood. But after Eve reads a little story and maybe it's because she's like, oh wait, the story is us actually. Yeah, let me reverse the power dynamic and let me let you know that your child is in my fucking lap. Do you remember that? I'm dangerous. <laughs> and then Elena's like, you know what? Why don't you get the fuck out actually? Like you could go. You could leave. I'm done having fun. She doesn't say that, but that's the vibe. That's the energy. No, it is. I was about to give Eve's exit line, but I feel like something happens before that because Eve brings up Eve asks again who is at the top. She just stops reading the book and she looks at Elena and she's like, who's at the top? I asked you earlier. You did not answer me. You talked about dessert. What what the fuck? And this time, and I think it's because Elena's pissed off that she was like, are you trying to intimidate me with my child? Bitch! She's like, well, if you know so much shit, why don't you go figure it the fuck out? Since you're so good at figuring shit out, go figure it the fuck out. And then Eve is like, you know what? I think I will. I've been pretty good at figuring stuff out. I have these new skills that I've acquired that no one fully understands, but I have them. And so I will figure it out, Elena. And she goes to leave. Woo! So after Elaine seems to give Eve some homework, reluctant homework that Eve is actually very excited about, she chases Eve down before Eve can fully leave. After Eve literally tosses her child. Hmm. It wasn't a toss, but it felt like a, a toss. Like, she's yeah. like, get the fuck off me. It's like, Eve, that's a child. But that's what she did. She's like, hey, hey, bitch, uh, don't run out yet. What is it you want to do exactly? Like, what is what is in your mind? You look chaotic as fuck. Queer as fuck, but also especially chaotic as fuck. And I just feel like I need to know what's on the, the schedule. And Eve has an answer for her that she already heard. Yep. She said, well, we could talk about it after dessert. I said, not a bitch stealing my script in the same day. Eve, figure it the fuck out. Like, you just, you out here stealing everybody's script. Used everything the lady in red said. Back on the lady in red of the same day you heard it. Okay. Fine, why not? Well, that's one way to leave an impression because... It's an impression. Elaine kind of smiles before she walks away. Like, it's kind of like a smirk, shit-eating grin, but it is, at the very least, she is amused. Oh, yeah. Which is to the benefit of Eve. Yeah. You know, you're less likely to kill something that's entertaining you in the moment. When you're done with it, that's when, you know, your time's up. But got her attention, for better or for worse. So, does this bring us back to the campsite? Well, before we do see Eve looking at her hand after she gets outside of the oh, building, yes. and it looks like she's having a, oh, shit, did I really do that? And then she looks very pleased with herself. Like, in a moment, she seems to be like, you know, exhale. Like, whew, that adrenaline was running intensely, as well <laughs> as my loins. Mm-hmm. And then once she seems to settle into the fact that, yeah, I just did that, she's like, yeah, bitch, I just did that. And she's feeling good. And probably in Laura's world, Laura's world, she's going to fuck Faux Jafari at the hotel. So it is what it is. I'm just saying it because I mean, it's no, true. It's, They're going to wake you. me up. I get you. I They're going to get me back in the next episode. And she's waking up with foe. So I don't know why I should lie to myself further. Why I should muse about bullshit. Why I should muse about gun when I haven't seen gun. When I haven't seen anything about gun. It's fair. So, yes, Eve leaves feeling good, feeling smug, feeling pleased. And then we are back at camp with May. And May is with the vicar, and they are in the tent as they are discussing their... They're well, discussing Villanelle. Yeah, they're discussing Villanelle. Or I guess May has finally decided to open up to her dad about what was bothering her with now. I didn't like it. She says, I didn't see what you saw. I saw something, something good. And I just don't like any of the phrases that it's not... It's not looking very Christ-like. It's not looking very kind. It's very judgmental. No, it is. It is. And it doesn't also make sense. It actually doesn't make sense. Oh, 
I saw something good. I didn't see what you saw. What the fuck are y'all talking about? And so I take umbrage with how this was written. And maybe Laura wrote this to show the hypocrisy of people in the church who are so religious that they are like what this cloister is, where it seems like everything in their life is around their religion, but to the point where they are destructive. To no, people. no, right. Because it's a click. And if you yes. don't fit in into our clique the way we want you to fit in, you can't be in it. No, right. Okay, but I thought it was for salvation. I thought it was to be saved. I thought it was because well, that's the mission. You can get saved over there. Over here, it's about being a good fit. And that's, that's yeah, that's when energy gets weird. Yeah, so May is saying that bullshit. It was when I heard the next word. I think yes. that I decided she needed to die. She says, and now I don't think anyone love her. I was like, yeah, you gotta go. it's over. Mark, right. That was it. End life. You've had a good run. You and your daddy. It's because over Because you just heard go from Go see now. European Jesus. You just heard from Return. now. Return. When people think that you're bad and then you start to think it yourself. Like, you, you heard I all this. I just don't know what kind of human has the audacity to assert or think let alone tell someone else that they cannot be loved by anyone. I just don't know where that type of arrogance and cruelty comes from. This is my whole issue with the cloister. And I don't know if Lauda has some interviews. Maybe she has some fucking church trauma. And she's working it out in the script because Mm -hmm. these people are like some of the worst people we've ever seen in Killing Eve. And it's because they're so fucking fake. Like other people, other killers come in. They're being straight up about their fuck shit. They're being direct with their nonsense. These people are cantankerous. They're deceitful. They're judgmental. And they're horrible because not only are you saying that no one can love her, but she's the devil? Well, you know what? Your cloister's a piece of shit. Because if you read all those parables and you think Villanelle's the fucking devil, right? You need help. She was she was the one abided by the letter in the cloister. She was the one that was volunteering and doing acts of love as far as like acts of service. She was cleaning up chunky poo. Oh, but we're living in a world of war. We're living in a world of rape. We're living in a world of sex trafficking. But Villanelle's the devil. Villanelle was not the one that had a pet named Lucifer. I mean, like I said, her and her daddy, I would say, have to go to therapy, but they're dead. So there's no need to go to therapy because they're six feet out and die. Then a song (laughs) begins to play as soon as that line is uttered because that's when Nell is like, you know what? I'm done with Nell. It's time to bring Villanelle back. I disagree. I think Villanelle was already back. Oh, okay. But that could be in the muses. No, the fire. We can disagree. Okay. No, no, I think Villanelle was back faster than that. So, And then to me, my deciding about whether or not Villanelle is back is based entirely on how I perceive Jodie playing Villanelle. Okay. Because she gives a lot of nuance in her face. I just, I feel like the Villanelle was rising. And who knows what Laura's going to say, but the Jesus Cristo is like the last bastion crack of the psyche before Villanelle comes back full force because she had apparently suppressed her for seven fucking months at the minimum. Yeah. That's a lot. So Villanelle enters the tent with the mallet and a spike and takes out the vicar. Yeah, they they die. And they die a beautiful death for me, a Villanelle (laughs) fan, because I've been waiting for this bitch to get back to her shit. I've been waiting for her to be clever and kill with what's on site because, you know, what's better than Villanelle killing with a thematic object? Like a hairpin, like perfume, something that fits the occasion. I guess we could first say this song that starts playing. It's entitled Anyone Who Who Had a Heart heart by Scylla Black. And the lyrics are, anyone who ever loved could look at me and know that I love you. Anyone who ever dreamed could look at me and know I dream of you, knowing I love you so. Anyone who had a heart would take me in his arms and love me too. You couldn't really have a heart and hurt me like you hurt me and be so untrue. What am I to do? Yes. And so I feel like that's double. I think it's it's laced with intention for Villanelle and Eve and how that's working and not working. Yeah. 
And also Villanelle in the cloister, because I do believe the cloister is full of shit. And I can't be positive, but I feel like maybe that's an underlying message for Lauda. They're absolutely as judgmental as people outside the cloister. Perhaps even more so. Uh, right. Only 12 people in that group. How big is... That cathedral was pretty large for only it 12 was. motherfuckers to come to the You're camping right. retreat. And this is the problem with religion anyway. Y'all motherfuckers not reaching out. The rest of them All probably right. didn't trust going with everybody else. Or maybe that's how small their congregation is. That too. Which means you're actually not doing the community work. When churches are in the community, they grow. It's like Sister Act. No, no, right, You're like, oh, I'm just going to go over here because sometimes there's nice music and there's nice people and they help. And so even though they gave that impression, oh, we at the hospital because of the photos. Oh, we're taking care of people over here. We're clothing the needy. I don't believe that church was doing anything because their retreat was indicative of that. Like church retreats, they're usually it's more pomp and circumstance. Not a, a wild dozen of judgmental people who won't even follow a newly baptized person into the kitchen or the back or anywhere to be like, hey, can I just talk to you for a second? Because I feel like maybe you don't understand how this was perceived. Just someone attempting to be like, I know that it can be a lot to get used to a whole new thing and I don't know that much about you, but I just want to talk to you because this ended up really weird. But we don't want this to be weird. But the vibes were, no, we don't like you, actually. And we haven't yeah. liked you for a long time. And we've just been tolerating you because May wanted to fuck you. But now that May doesn't want to fuck you anymore, get out of the cloister! Their whole it's MO was shame, you're right? And it was gross. Oh, but Barbara had no shame about one of the Vickers D. Gross. So how much shame? Well, actually. Anyway, let us finish up this episode. Lord. Yes, yeah, so Villanelle grabs a steak from the tent, which they're pointy, and she grabs a mallet. And full round of applause for Villanelle for how she killed the vicar. Mm-hmm. That she killed the vicar first so May could watch because she deserved that. And then she killed him by pounding the steak for the tent into his chest multiple times. That was beautiful. To watch the silhouette, I was like, go, Villanelle! I love this kill. So May was watching in horror. She definitely was like, oh, I probably should have kept my mouth shut. I probably shouldn't have been just saying that because definitely I just said the bitch is the devil and here Uh she comes uh killing me and my daddy. But Mm -hmm. my daddy's going first. Oh no, dad. And then she got killed. And it looked like Villanelle staked her in the heart. That could just be the perspective, but I hope she did. Just for like poetry's sake. What? Can never love anyone. Ow. Like you broke my heart. Now let me break yours. And it's a beautiful kill. It really is. Kills. Beautiful kills. kills. No, no, yeah, yeah. And as Villanelle leaves the tent to make her way towards her own she does get stopped by remember when may yelled for help and no one came <laughs> Anyways, she's stopped by herself yeah she is stopped by herself but this time villanelle is ready because well, she she's is, mad yeah she's mad christ villanelle has said a lot of things during this camp retreat and none of it was true it was all a lie it was a lie she said, do this and this will work. And literally all of it was an L. And so since Villanelle is back, she was angry. She was like, catch this choke out. She hemmed up herself right away because she was like, you are the father of lies, Villanelle Cristo. And sadly, Villanelle is not able to fully execute murdering herself. Either of the times we see it. She lets go. She's like, ah, oh, let me just walk off. And she lets it go. And they both end up back in the tent. And Cristo Villanelle is like, look. All right. It's not even about you. Don't hate yourself. Don't be mad. Okay. You were the perfect little lamb and a shepherd like me. And before she could even finish what she was trying to say about a shepherd like her, she has cut the fuck off because Villanelle hits her over the head with a frying pan. Oh, yeah. You thought she was over it, that she was done choking a bitch out outside. And no, she was just trying to lull her inside so she could trap her, which is my current thought given what happens later. But she knocks down Villanelle Cristo. She does. She mounts her in the way that Eve mounted her before the stab and I said okay this is a killer's mount this is what we do <laughs> when you have the sapphic jaunt mount people like this before the murder and then something curious happens you guys is this 
the smooch. What else could I be talking about? So Villanelle kisses Villanelle. So that, yeah, that happens. And... Well, before that happens, lines are exchanged. I feel like it's Jesus Christo that says, like, very good. You really got me. Like, oh, look at you. Getting me with the frying pan. She adds that no one else could have done it. And I think she's yeah. talking about, like, just the whole vicar and cloister jaunt that she was trying to do. And Villanelle says something to the effect of, I thought I could do it. Oh, and I'm like, poor baby. And as I'm like, poor baby, Villanelle Christo was like, oh, baby, you didn't stand a chance. Now, it's delivered very was, well yeah. by Jesus Christo. And it is real life that she did not stand a fucking chance. We all thought it when we read in the papers that Villanelle was going to be in a cloister however many weeks ago initially. And that was a real thing. And you can tell that Villanelle is not happy with her answer. Mostly because it's true. Especially because it's from her! The Villanelle Christo oh, is yeah. from her fucking subconscious. So it is actually her talking to her about what she can't run away from. What she can't change. And I think she responds to that. Which is why it gets violent. But before it gets violent, it gets sapphic in a way. But is it sapphic if it's you? Mm, uh, jury's out. Jury is out. Is this like when, when kids are young and they try to make out with a mirror to practice? Uh, well, I would. Oh. It, it would depend uh, uh, how warm is the mirror. I don't know because, like, I'm sure these lips, lips on lips, I'm sure they were warm oh, lips. So. No, but the, <laughs> I just don't even know what to say about Villanelle and Jesus Christo. For the now. So maybe this was Kissing. a kiss goodbye. I don't know. Well, I'll muse it's on something. that later. Right, right. Maybe I'll muse on the Loki entanglements and see what is said there. But it's something. And then she does stigmata a bitch after the kiss. And I'm like, is this the theme of this episode? Let me use Sappho to disarm and then violence? Because at least with Eve, she was not doing Sappho with herself. Villanelle is by herself. But she does the, the distraction or the kiss or the goodbye, see you never again. Who knows? She stigmatas her in her hands with the stakes, it yes. looks like. And you said to pin her there, leave her there. I said, I hope she's leaving that that version of her behind or that confusion behind in the tent. She does appear to leave Villanelle Cristo in the tent. And maybe that is something narratively we will also do. That Villanelle is pinned down in the tent. And so she stays there. And other Villanelle reemerges and goes forward with a confidence of, I am who I am. But mm -hmm. perhaps at Martin, I still don't like how I feel. Because I do think Villanelle likes her. Maybe she's well, confused yeah. about it. No, yeah. She is definitely confused about it right now, but liking how she feels, and I don't know how she's supposed to like how she feels when she's been obsessed with Eve Pilastri for years and has no, no, nothing, just nothing. Meanwhile, Eve got her goodies all over London. Well. I didn't say that, but Lauda said no. Eve is trading her baldy as a commodity to men. <laughs> <laughs> that she doesn't really respect because this is where we are. This is Dark Eve Rising. Um, Hatch shenanigan version. Okay, fine. So that chat pretty much wraps up this episode. There is Christ screaming, Don't stop now! Oh, yeah. Finish Come the on, job! Finish the job! Boo-hoo! So she was getting flamed and dragged by her other self while she left and leaves hopefully that behind. And there's a great shot of her walking out where the camera bobs yes. up and down with her and poor thing is still suffering honestly and to know that she can't even go to eve's hotel which she definitely will do according to that first two minutes we watched and she will shower there she will wait there for her just to be rejected and kicked out by eve i already know what's happening i already know that she will be rejected and kicked out by eve only to then do what and maybe eve says then like why don't you go see martin you want someone to talk to you go see a fucking psychiatrist mm. bitch i'm not the one and i'll probably cry like eve! More. eve but yeah that is the end of this episode that is that is it it's over. 
it's done. Yes, that about does it for the recap. And all that's <laughs> left is the preview. Yeah. I can't even be bothered to play it, y'all. You've heard the vibes through this recap. It's a lot. And and we see what's going on there. We watched the preview, as I'm sure you all did. And what do we see? That Villanelle's a fucking person of interest. <clears throat> Her face from the cloister picture is on the front of the papers. It's the way that my musings are... I mean, they were already going in a direction, but now with this... At least I, you still have some musings. It's not flashback to my I my mean, cemetery uh, of no, dead I sapphic know. muses at but, the beginning of this episode. I know. So we do know from the preview that Villanelle is probably going to get caught up in some bullshit. I hope Eve is not involved, but who's to say? They show Villanelle, and we saw that in the first two minutes we watched. Villanelle ends up at Eve's hotel. Yes. No doubt. To get rejected. Oh. And since we know that the couple's therapy, thanks to the listeners, also, also happens, happens next happens, episode. Right? It's the set, I think that's rejection two and three. So I thought we were going to space out the rejections from episode. No, I think they're going to have Eve reject her twice. I can't cope. So no, I'm not playing the audio. I'm not doing the preview, Terrence. That, that, was, that was it. Mm. We just said it. I will clearly be in mourning, even still. Next weekend? Yeah, this is, this is, this is, this episode is doing quite the number on my feels. Quite, quite the number. And honestly, we made it through because we love y'all. Terrence, uh, mostly drunk, and me, very annoyed. And we did it. And it wasn't 20 minutes, so. Right. So Throw confetti in our direction. Exactly. Glitter. Because we did it. We told y'all last week, I mean, we shan't. But if we will, we shan't be sober. We shan't. And we, oh, we shan't. <laughs> Definitely shan't for the next week. Mm. Well, I guess take us home, daddy Let us know ultimately how this episode made you feel. Send all your questions, concerns, feels, support. Send support. Right, send some uh, support. To the inbox. Hey, you guys all want word at wellwellvillanelle.com. If you hit us up on Instagram, it's wellwellvillanelle. And in our Twitter, of course, is wellvillanelle. It's true. Well, I guess that about wraps up this recap. So until the snack episode. <laughs> oh, God. Here's hoping you get killed by a woman. And you guys, I can't even really scream because I don't even fucking know. Two rejections in one episode. Two rejections. Are the popo going to get Villanelle? What am I going to do? Am I going to be crying all next episode? It's not fair. I'll see y'all next week. And louder, we trust, I guess. Whatever. Bye. It's like totally murder.